It's the State of Gaming Podcast. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pop Zara Podcast. That's right. It's the State of Gaming. That's right. It's a state. It's gaming. It's the games of 2022. It's the best of. It's all those things in reverse. Welcome back. This is Nathan Evans, managing editor of popsar.com, back at our yearly, yearly wrap-up of the best, the worst, and everything else that we played in the world of video games for 2022. If you're listening, it's 2023 right now, which means there's still time to go back and get some of the stuff we're going to talk about. But I can't do it alone because it's the state of gaming. I need my co-host. That's right. Senior games editor at PopZara, Mr. Corey G-Man Gallagher. Corey, welcome back. Hey, thanks very much for having me. I'm a little Ooh. bit shocked you invited me back after that last episode. I know, I know, I know. All that weird stuff, all there that was drama. was everywhere. The children getting into bits of gore. I think <laughs> one of us ate a cat. It was a mess. I hope nobody goes back and listens to it on Spotify or That's Apple true. Music. It is pretty cool, actually. It's a, it, we're everywhere you want to be. Um, apologies, uh, we had to take a, a little extra time because yours truly got himself sick because yours truly didn't didn't pay attention. So I didn't want to sound like Marge Simpson. So not none of that. But again, I said we can't do it alone, Corey. So we had to enlist help. That's right. We had to enlist our favorite co-host that does this every year with us. What is this? Three years running, Mr. Antel Bokar. Antel, welcome back once again. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Uh, again, so it's like you yeah, lost always a pet. pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we're gonna we're gonna have a good time as always. Um, I don't even know where to start. I will say this: going through the list this year, guys, going through what happened in 2022. I don't know if it's the end of the pandemic. I don't know if it's just a, a general malaise has lifted. But 2022, there was a lot that happened, um, and I missed a lot of it because I was busy. But I'm thankfully, I don't think you guys missed anything. So what we're going to do is we'll do roundtable, Robin. We'll we'll go through each one. We'll pick our best, we'll pick our worst, and kind of take it out and go from there. Uh, you probably heard some of this stuff before if you've listened to other State of Gaming podcasts, but that's what a wrap-up's for. It's to wrap it up. So let's get started. So, Corey, you you did a lot this year. You played a lot. You you couldn't play everything. You missed a lot. You played a lot. You, you've seen a lot. So let's start with you. So if you had to pick, what were your what were your favorite games of 2022? Well, first off, I'm not so sure I missed a lot because I'm looking at this big old list down here, and I think I played the majority of these. Uh, it's a lot. There's a lot though. of good stuff that came out in 2022. And that's not that's not counting all the ports. There were a lot of ports. There so. were quite a few ports. That's the case pretty much every year these days. Uh, good ports too. You know, just to talk about some of those before we even get into the actual games. Um, we had a fantastic port of Shadow Madness, and by fantastic, I mean it was terrible. You can play the worst PS1 RPG on PC now. Get it on Steam if you want to. If you hate yourself, you can do it. Why would you want to miss out? So. I, I don't know why you'd want to miss out. You should definitely give it a shot. Uh, other cool ports. Disgaea 6 came to PC. Uh, that game had some serious issues in the Switch, but when we brought it to better, uh, plat- or other, I guess, more powerful platforms with the PS4 and the PC, it really started to shine a little bit. It's a game worth playing now. Uh, Disgaea 7 is coming out this year, uh, 2023. Please look forward to that. Uh, also, Monster Hunter Rise and Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak are now available on PC, and I believe they're even on Game Pass. So if you've not tried those yet, they are definitely worth a look. However, we're not here to talk about ports. We're talking about new games. So let's go ahead and talk about what I think were the best games of the year. I'm going to save my favorite for last, because I'm pretty sure most everybody knows what it is anyway. Um, the first game that I want to talk about is Immortality. Have any of you guys played that one? 
No. I have not, unfortunately. So Immortality is available on Game Pass as well. And uh, basically, it's kind of a detective-y sort of FMV game. It's from the same guy uh, who made Her Story. Oh. He made Telling Lies. Sam we interviewed Sam him Bob Zara a while back. Yeah, we, uh, yeah, you know what? I feel silly for saying this because he uh, created what I think is the best. Well, you guys probably disagree, but uh, my favorite Silent Hill game, uh, Shattered Memories. He did make Shattered Memories. That's true. Uh, what's yeah. his name again? Sam? Sam Barlow, which sounds Barlow, a lot like uh, he sounds like one of those um, detective novelists. So it's, I should I should know that. You know, I was about to say Sam Hill, but that's just like an exclamation. Like, oh, what in Sam Hill? Um, so. No, it's Sam Barlow. Game is called Immortality. The idea is basically that you have been handed a big old archive of movies that have never been released. And you can go through these movies and watch little clips from them uh, basically by – associating a clip with any clip that shares things that are similar to it. So if, for instance, you are watching a clip and the clip has a vase in it, you can click a button that will bring up any other clip that happens to have a vase. And uh, going through all these various film clips, uh, at first it's like, oh, cool, I'm watching movies. This is great. Um, as you keep watching, I'm not going to spoil anything. I don't want people to play it. It's on Game Pass. There's no reason you shouldn't. Uh, you start to come, ac- uh, come to the conclusion that there's a little bit more going on than you're just watching a movie. Let's put it that way. Um, it's good stuff. It's yeah, somebody who really likes cinema, who likes going to the movies, who likes going to film festivals. Uh, this was a fantastic game and definitely worth a look. Not hearing as much about it as I thought I would have, but I assure you definitely one of the best games of this year. Interesting. Uh, you know, it's funny, the Sam Barlow guy, he's, he seems to have made the, the genre that everybody like ridiculed for decades, full motion video into like a legitimate thing that people don't hate. So a little, little credit there. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I never hated full game. motion video. Well, you love Sewer Shark? Uh, I wouldn't say love, but it has <laughs> a charm. Definitely has a charm to it. Uh, what was the what was the crisscross? Do you remember the crisscross game on Make Sega CD? Make my video. Make my video or uh, yes. CMC Music Factory and the Funky. Bo- I forget. There's just so many. I feel like we're just hitting like AVGN hits now, though. That yeah, is pretty true. much. <laughs> that is true. Uh, speaking of taking you back to the past, uh, here's a game that did not suck. Uh, High on Life is on Game Pass, and it's good, and I liked it, and it's funny, and you should play it. Uh, it is from the guys who made Rick and Morty, and so it has a whole lot of that same kind of humor. And I want to tell you guys something you should live by in 2023. If the first thing that comes up when you start looking up a game, researching it, is a whole bunch of review sites being all stodgy and saying, oh, I didn't like this game because it wasn't funny. Uh, that's when you know it's going to be really funny, and you should definitely play it. Trust me on this. It made my top list, too, which was surprising because I wasn't a big Rick and Morty fan for the longest time. But uh, you convinced me to play it, and you were right. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. Uh, it's a, actually a pretty solid shooter. You know, I wouldn't say it does a whole lot that we haven't seen before. Uh, reminds me a lot of Metroid Prime, oddly enough. has a lot of the same kind of gameplay mechanics. Um, but it combines it all okay. with this kind of Rick and Morty humor. So it's a bit crass, a little bit a uh, little bit off kilter. But it's I, I thought it was hilarious. It's got a lot of really got a lot of love put into it. You wouldn't expect. Uh, there are several full length films you can just sit and watch. <laughs> for instance, just as your, one example of stuff you can do in this game. Your favorite? Um, though. You got you got to say your favorite film though, because we talked about this before. Oh yeah. So the the best film is that there is a a version of Tammy and the T Rex, which. Um, <laughs> Which is about a, a cheerleader whose boyfriend is killed and his brain is put in a giant animatronic tyrannosaur. 
And uh, so she has to balance her love for him with the fact that he's now a dinosaur and goes on rampages and kills people. It's it's very deep and moving. But starring uh, what's his face from Fast and the Furious, Paul Walker and Paul Denise Walker, Richards. Paul Walker. It's, that's a shame about him. Director of uh, Mac and Me. So there you go. Yep. Yeah. High on life. Definitely worth playing. Again, it's on Game Pass. Know what else is on Game Pass? Another game you should really be taking a look at if you haven't yet. But I bet you Mm -hmm. have, even if you don't know it. Vampire Survivors. Now, you guys have definitely played Vampire Survivors. It's on my list, too. Yes. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Vampire Survivors. Wonderful game. Now, one of the things I always talk about when we're doing these podcasts is how we make a big show about how indie games are the future and they're so innovative and yada, yada, yada. What actually happens is not too dissimilar from what we see in the mainstream industry, which is that one game will come out, do something weird, new and cool, make it big. And then we'll see like a thousand clones that kind of iterate Mm -hmm. in different ways. Uh, That's where genres come from, kids. It's it's when a mommy game and a daddy game (laughs) with each other very much. Um, You know, we used to call them Doom clones back in the day. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So Vampire Survivors is a pretty simple idea. Um, think about like a bullet hell shoot 'em up. You know, you're one little ship in the midst of this swarm of bullets. They're all trying to kill you. And if you make one wrong move, you're dead. Now imagine that you instead are the bullets. And uh, that's what you're getting here. You start off as a, a weak little adventurer character who steadily gets more and more and more and more and more powerful over the course of like a 20 to 30 minute session. Until at the very end, the screen is so full of garbage that you are producing and killing <laughs> enemies with it. It's like, uh, there's something to roll down. Go do something else for a while. You, you've won. It feels great. Um, and that's cool. It's a really solid game. Has a lot of cool secrets. Now that it's been fully released, you can play it on Game Pass. But that's not really the biggest thing about Vampire Survivors that really gets me going. It's the fact that, you know, Number one, game is like three dollars if you want to buy it. That's we need to normalize. It's, it. it's even it's even it's even free on iOS, by the way, and Android. That's cool too. Yeah, yeah. So you can get it for free. You can get it on I Game Pass. You can your, I'm going to download oh, it right now. The, um, you know, it's funny. They did a story about it. They said uh, to your because Carl, I saw your notes about the clones. They <laughs> said they had to release the game for free on mobile to circumvent the clones from stealing their thunder. That would not surprise me at all. And it's funny that they should mention that because honestly, there's a lot of clones and I'd go so far as to say some of them are increasingly better in increasingly different ways. Um, We've got Spellbook Demon Slayer, which takes the whole idea of filling the screen with garbage and uh, you fill the screen with a lot more garbage. (laughs) It's It's ridiculous. uh, It's like a better version of Flappy Bird. Do you remember that? Where where Flappy Bird was (laughs) made the developer depressed. So he had to take it offline. But, uh, I'll say this. I, I love the Vampire Survivor. I don't know I don't know how long term it's gonna stay in my memory. I think once you see it, you see it. But I do but I think it's ironically the best Castlevania game in a long time, even though it's not a Castlevania game because it clearly rips off Castlevania, but in a good way. You know, and I'm gonna point something out. I talk about clones a lot. You'll know that when this new uh they call it bullet heaven, but I hate that, so we're gonna call yeah. them uh I think they call them adventure roguelikes. So let's let's go with that. Bullet heaven. Um, you'll know that this new subgenre is starting to peter out when the big publishers start to make their own takes on it. So this year at E3, when you see like Assassin's Creed survivors come out of Ubisoft, that's the last year you're going to see any more of these. You're going to be tired of them. Yeah. Or uh, Dynasty Warriors survivors. That's not a bad idea, actually. I I should make that. (laughs) Um. So that's cool. Vampire Survivors. Uh, some of the clones that you should look at. Uh, Spellbook Demon Slayers is great. Uh, Toward the Abyss. It's a Chinese one that's very good. Um, 
Lost Ruin, I believe it's called, comes out tomorrow. You should give that a shot. I played the demo. It's great. Uh, all kinds of these Vampire Survivors clones. And because the underlying fundamental concept, I, I just, my voice just cracked because I'm going through puberty. Um, because the underlying concept is so solid, you can look at these clones and they're all pretty good. Like, you know, I can get a hamburger and even if it's the best at McDonald's, if I go to Burger King, it's still a hamburger, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Enjoy it. Like enjoy it while it lasts because it won't last. Nothing yeah, lasts. Absolutely. So. Oh my God, that's so cynical. I already have in front of me a post. I know it sounds. Says, oh well. Yeah, well, yes. No, I, I mean I agree. It's like, man, you sound like me. It must be a uh, thing about getting old. But um. Old but better. Um. Quick question though, Intel. You said if you're going to play this game on iOS, hook a controller up to it because the touchscreen controls are terrible. I actually so. got Android, so I was going to try oh, that out. But, there you yeah. go. Absolutely. The last game that I want to talk about real quick, as far as my list of best games goes, I'm going to yell at my cat. Cat, I'm going to destroy you. You have nine lives. You can afford to lose a couple. Um, the last game I'm going to talk about in this list is Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Did either of you play this one? No, you were a fan, no. though. You, you you raved about it. You know how I know you didn't play it? Because you're not still playing it. It's true. This game is enormous. This game is probably – it's a Japanese RPG – it's going to run you about 150 hours. Not even joking. If you're talking about value for your money, you are getting it with Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Uh, what's more than that? I mean, this is the third in a long-running series of extremely lengthy, extremely plot-heavy games. Uh, brings together the plots of the first two in a really satisfying way. If you enjoyed the first two of these games at all, you you can't go wrong here. But even if you've not played them, you can start here. Still feels pretty good. Uh, really solid exploration. You're finding new stuff everywhere. There's loot. There's monsters to fight. Uh, there's a job system like in Final Fantasy V where you can customize your characters, give them new abilities. Uh, there's a blue mage job that has you go around learning enemy skills. Love that kind of thing. Just a really, really solid game all around. And I think my favorite part, and I've talked about this, ranted about this, going on about this on the site with Switch games forever now, <clears throat> runs really great in the Switch. Had no technical issues whatsoever. I'm shocked. Just throwing that out there. Shocked. Floored. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, real solid game. Take a look. But I talked about a few uh, really good games, but the best game, and I'm just going to destroy a couple of your lists, I think, by even mentioning it. Uh, my favorite game of the year was Elden Ring. Really? Shocking. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I can't believe it myself. Yeah. Um, I... I was surprised to see Elden Ring getting the positive reception that it got from the same sites and outlets and uh, YouTubers who just the previous year were talking about how Souls games are too hard and they need an easy mode and they're not accessible. Uh, Elden Ring is here, and it doesn't really change much about the formula at a basic level outside of putting it into a uh, a open-world setting, and it remains pretty enjoyable. Um you, you can explore the lands between, find dungeons to go through, battle bosses, collect weapons. Um, the degree to which you can customize your character is amazing. I've probably started like 10 different characters who all play in very different ways and gone through the first few hours of the game. Uh, easily have gotten more hours out of this even than Xenoblade 3 this year. It's such a good game. Uh, it's beautiful. The sound is great. The gameplay is amazing. You, you should probably play Elden Ring, but I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. So... You um you got some hours from me because you tried helping me because I apparently I spec my character out wrong and my character was too fat and you remember this we went through, I do we went, remember this we I went uh, this. 
I watched a man a couple days ago Ooh, beat before you go same... forward. I'm sorry, please no spoilers. I'm I'm trying to save Elden Ring. Um, oh, I, I didn't get a chance to play it. Did here's I? a yeah. here's a spoiler. You'll die, and you'll die, and you'll keep yes. dying, and you'll die and die and die, and you'll love it because let, let, let me put it this great. way. Nathan got stuck <laughs> on the final boss. Meanwhile, just a couple days ago, I watched a man beat the final boss with no armor or weapons and without using stamina. Well, I have a question for both of you because accessibility is like the number one buzzword right now for everything, for better or for worse. Sure. You know, we saw, I just did a CES thing. Sony's got the, what is it, uh, Leonardo. Microsoft's got their scene. I've seen people beat Elden Ring with flutes. With <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen amputees beat the game. And I thought to myself, Corey, we talked about this ad nauseum last year where journalists uh when they reveal themselves and Antel, uh, no you are you are much more of a journalist than we are so i will defer to you this is not for you you're a good one but you have you know we even people who have been on this podcast before i won't say their name they're not very good at playing games sometimes and when they write about them and they write about them like they're some master but when you actually see them play they're not very good and they want you know they want journalist mode they want things easy they want to be able to skip there's a legacy for that but you see Elden Ring, one of the hardest games in, in creation, and people are beating it on its own terms. And it does it does like reset the question a little bit about how easy a game should be to be accessible versus like, you know, who's the who's the who's the guy who developed this? Miyazaki. Um, I forget his name. Miyazaki. Yeah. Miyazaki. Not, not the not the Miyazaki you might be thinking of, but um, he says, no, I'm not going to make it easy. Like play the game on its own terms. And they do. They find ways to play it and they love it. And I think that's, I think, Corey, I think that's the reason why the game's so popular, because it doesn't make any concessions whatsoever to any of those people. And, you know, again, uh, all the same outlets saying that Souls games are too hard, they're inaccessible, it's gatekeeping, yada, yada, are putting Elden Ring as number one of the best games of the year, except for one site, whose name I'm not going to mention, that put it at number two, because they said number one was Wordle. Wordle? Uh, Wordle. Okay, you know what? I, I don't hate that. <laughs> And I hate that I don't hate that, but I don't because, you know, it makes sense culturally because Wordle is such a phenomenon. But like it really it just surprised me the other day when I actually saw like Wordle, Wordle, uh, Word of the Day. I think um, the gamer did it like hints on beating. And I'm like, that's still a thing. I completely left my mm -hmm. mind. But, you know, that kind of makes sense. I, I was I was honestly shocked to see it because I, I didn't realize anybody was still oh. playing. I thought it was just like a few months thing. I was a. Uh... I was in uh, visiting home. I was visiting East Coast a couple months ago, and I was in uh, visiting Salem, Massachusetts, with my sister and my my nephew, and they were playing Wordle in the car while I was driving. Like they were they were into it. Like I was like, wow, that's it's something. Wordle's something. It's very popular. It's ubiquitous. Anyway, I'm uh I'm not gonna judge it, but I am gonna mention that judge is a five letter word, and you guys can use it if you want. Um, <laughs> that's true. So, not every game this year was good. I think we can agree on that, right? Uh, there were some stinkers. There uh, were. Now, I will point out, I will point out that the games I'm going to say were bad are very good compared to a lot of the really bad games I've played. I want to I want to look back into the past. I remember that one time they released this game called Ark of Alchemist, and nobody should play that game. The game was terrible. Uh, anyway, two bad games this year. Two bad games really stuck out in my brain. The first one was called Babylon's Fall. Did either of you play that? Did anybody play it? I did. You know why was I played that, it? That was that AAA <laughs> one, right? No, I didn't play it. 
So I played it. Um, it is the it's AAA. It's a Square Enix Square Enix game uh, produced by Platinum Games. And the reason I played it is because it is online only, and I suspected it was gonna fail. And if I didn't play it now, I would not be able to play it again. And you know what? I they right. killed it off. Did they kill it off though? Did they? Did they put it out? They, this they did. It's not. I don't think it's fully killed off yet. I think it goes down in. It was either this month or in March, but it's very soon. Um, and I, I played through all the Babylon's Fall. I was one of the top Babylon's Fall players in the first week of release because I would not stop playing it because I knew that if I did not play it right then and there, I would never have the chance. And let me tell you, Babylon's Fall is awful. You are missing nothing by not playing this game. Imagine, imagine if you're playing Bayonetta or Astral Chain or Devil May Cry, but every move you do uses up mana from a mana meter and when the meter runs out you have to wait for it to recharge that's the game if that sounds bad it's because it is <coughs> oh god i'm choking on it even it's so terrible um everything you do uses up a mana meter uh meaning that fights boil down to go up hit the button five or six times run away you can't dodge away because dodging takes mana and your mana is gone uh repeat forever that's Babylon's fall not surprised even a little that they're taking it down. The best thing it had going for it is the fact that it had this really cool-looking ink painting art style. It had this really nice filter. I want to take that filter, put it on Elden Ring. But I can't, because the game's dead. The other game, <laughs> I didn't much care for. It can't hurt you anymore, Corey. Ah, well, it can't hurt me for a month, at least. Um, the other game I wasn't a big fan of is actually on Game Pass. So you can play that one for free if you want. Much like many of the better games, you should be playing instead. That game is called Scorn. Either you play Scorn. I didn't play it. No, I didn't play that one either. Probably for the best. So Scorn was sold as this eldritch Lovecraftian kind of Geiger-styled adventure where you explore a dark, spooky world full of body horror and it's real creepy and... Oh no, what could be lurking behind the next corner? What it actually is, it has a lot in common with the old Sierra adventure games where you're kind of looking for items and solving puzzles, obscure puzzles. Like, you, you need to get your walkthrough out for this one because, man, it's rough. Uh, there is combat. It is terrible. If you die, you have to start a big chunk of it over. Um, it concludes in a very unsatisfying way. Spoiler alert. I'm not going to actually spoil it, but let me tell you, you're not going to like it. Um, unless you are really jonesing for a puzzle game, and let me assure you, there are plenty of puzzle games to play that are better than this. You should probably skip Scorn, uh, even if it's on Game Pass. Don't play it. You know, now we're going to play it. That's yeah, yeah. I, I mean, not, now, now you're going to play now, it because I'm now like, oh, gross. Do I want it? So, yeah. Well, not only that, but I mean, I was intrigued with it from the beginning because it started as like a Kickstarter or something, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, it's always kind of been on my radar, but... Yeah, I saw the initial negative reception, and uh, yeah. Can I be honest uh, with you? Um, I actually confused Scorn with that other hell-based game, Metal Slinger. Uh, Hellsinger. Hellsinger, which is a good sorry. Game. <laughs> which is actually a good game. Yeah, Hell, Hellsinger's a great game. You should play that for sure. Um, awesome. Looking over the big list, trying to see if I had any uh, any follow-ups. It's a big um, one. Let's see. There's a lot, by the way. We made a big master list. Yeah, there's this is a whole big there. list here of all kinds of stuff. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes is good. If you, especially if you like Three Houses, you should definitely play that. Um, what about Pokemon? Like you, you made a whole. I did. I I, I liked Pokemon Violet, Violet and Scarlet. I also mm-hmm. really like Pokemon Arceus. Um, those are both solid games that are absolutely worth a look. Uh, Soul Hackers Two was good. Steel Rising was good. Uh, Ooblets has its perks if you can get past the aesthetic. 
As mentioned, Metal Health Singer was pretty good. Deafield Chronicle, meanwhile, goes in the bad list. Don't play that one. Uh, Hoku Life is very bad. Don't play that one either. I put I should have put that in my worst of the year list, honestly. What about uh, uh, Death, Death what about First? How? Let it die. Uh, it was a good game. They're shutting it down. Yeah, I heard about that. Another one bites the dust, literally. Yep. Um, what other? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Now that's pretty much sums up uh, the biggest stuff I played that actually came from this year. There's a lot of good games that came out this year, um, but there's not quite so many real standouts like I was talking about. So. Just go over it again. Elden Ring, Immortality, High on Life, all those Vampire Survivors clones, Xenoblade 3. Should probably play all those. That's it for me. That's a that's a respectable list of positives. So let's get to Antel. Antel, so Corey plays a lot of stuff. You play a lot of stuff. What was the best that you played in 2022? Warhammer 40k Dark Tide, hands down. Best game I played. And kind of controversial because I know uh, it kind of not finished and it's... The weapon progression system isn't great, but my god, the gameplay is just so fun. I just, I every time I play, I'm playing through God of War right now because I'm trying to, I'm trying to catch up on some of the games I didn't, I didn't get to because I didn't play a lot of AAA titles last year. Um, but playing through God of War, all I can think about is how much I just want to play Dark Tide. I just <laughs> love it so much. I'm not even um, necessarily like a 40k fan because some of the people I talk to, they're like, oh, you're really into Warhammer 40k. I'm like. No, I've played some of the games. Um, I was a big Vermintide 2 fan because uh, I like the Fat Shark developed uh, Vermintide 2. I played a little bit of the first one. I think that game has phenomenal melee combat. I love the co-op, you know, Left 4 Dead style game. Um, I mentioned, I think last year I mentioned I was a huge fan of Deep Rock Galactic, which is kind of in the same vein. Um but Dark Tide kind of takes some aspects of Deep Rock and meshes them with aspects of Vermintide 2 um, and kind of makes this um, strange, almost not for the better version of, uh, um, you know, like a just crazy Left 4 Dead based in the 40K universe. But it just has such phenomenal first person shooter mechanics. I just I love the shooting. It's it's. The shooting in that game is as good as the melee was in Vermintide 2, and had, that has some of the best melee. Unfortunately, there's a huge melee aspect in Dark Tide, but it's just not as good for some reason. Mm. They didn't get the feeling quite as down, but um, yeah, it's a great game. I love it. I've been playing it. I think I put it like 130 hours into it, and it, I think it released in November, midway through November. It's all I've been playing since then. Oh, I was going to ask you, you mentioned God of War. Just to be clear, uh, two God of War games came out last year, <laughs> so... Um, God of War PC and God of War PS5. Uh, which one was that? Oh, I've been playing Ragnarok. Okay, Ragnarok. Okay, just yes. just being clear. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm about halfway through that right now. Um, I've actually been playing it on stream, but um, yeah, uh, I just missed Dark Tide the whole time I'm playing it. Um, <laughs> Dark Tide isn't perfect. Um, it launched with like a you know like a cash shop, and people seem to hate that for some reason. Uh, it was a little predatory the way they did it, but they're making it right because, you know, the increments you could buy the money for wasn't exactly like, you know, one to one with like the uh, the packs they were selling. You know, it so I was curious. Like a... Are they fixing that? Yes, they did. They actually yeah. uh, implemented like um, smaller packs of I think the currency is called like Aquilas or something like that. Aquilas. Yeah. Um, yeah but full disclosure, like, you know, full disclosure, I don't think cosmetics in games are bad like having to buy cosmetics i don't think um real money shops are a bad thing i don't think my microtransactions are necessarily bad i know i'm evil but <laughs> i understand Nate, like, where'd you get this guy from yeah i know that's not like this podcast you know, most people is are sponsored gonna... by ea sports EA. yes exactly <laughs> 
there are there are predatory uh you know practices and uh fat shark i don't think did the best thing they could have done in terms of real money because in vermintide 2 they had it down because they were just selling stuff for you know like it was like five dollars for or like even like ten dollars for cosmetics but you know it's just straight up one-to-one costs and here they introduce this like um, currency and you can't earn the currency in game even though they kind of promise that you could but the thing is like dark tide isn't finished and it can't really and it's obviously not finished they should have really released it in an early access state and i'm not here to apologize for it because you know fat shark really screwed it up but at the same time you know i want people to play it because it's such a good game and it i can't see it getting worse it's probably just going to get better it's completely I'm obsessed with it. I absolutely loved it. And um, I mean, there's other downsides too. It only released with four classes, whereas Vermintide 2, even in early access, I released with like something like 12 or something. Um, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, uh, so none of the uh, subclassing that Vermintide has. No, it seems like they have like archetypes and they're going to just release like um, different characters based on that. But I'm not even sure if that's going to be the way they go with it. They've been kind of um, closed-lipped about what their plans are, too, Fatshark has. So that's a little frustrating. But, um, yeah, I mean, Darktide is hands down my favorite game this year. Um, followed closely, actually, by uh, Shredder's Revenge. And I was surprised that nobody mentioned that yet. Oh, it's uh, on my list, too. Um, oh, yeah. That's definitely more of a nature. Did game. you? Did you see what they did this morning? Actually, early this morning, they released it. Uh, Netflix got it. So if you have a Netflix account, you can now play the game for free on, um, well, not, at no extra charge, sorry, on your iPhone or Android. Oh. Use a, contro- use a controller. I actually downloaded I actually downloaded it just to see what it's like. The touch controls are terrible, but uh-huh. it's, the whole, it's the whole single player game on your phone or your tablet through, net, through Netflix if you have it. It's crazy. It's, it's hidden though. Uh, Netflix games are horrible to find, but if you if you have the Netflix app on your um, on your phone or your tablet, there's a section called games. It'll bring you to the app store. It'll log you in through your account, and you can play the game all you want. Yeah, I'm Not the already best way downloading it. That is amazing. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like I I feel like I'm promoting iOS and Android here, but it's true. Like like Corey, you and I talk about Game Pass all the time, but like there's yeah, other you all must get Game Pass money. They're, yeah, they're yeah all that sweet. That the pubs sweet. are podcast brought to you by Game yeah, Pass. You Challenge everything. <laughs> yeah, um, but no, but I uh, we could talk about that too. But I I actually quite adored the Shredder's Revenge. I actually didn't think I'd like it as much as I would, but I do. <laughs> so it's it's actually one of my favorite games of the year. Well, I played a lot of beat 'em ups growing up. Um, I don't know if I just because I love first person shooters after beat 'em ups. I don't know. I didn't really like strategy games. Maybe I was just a dumb kid, but um, I loved beat 'em ups. And um, uh, the Turtles games, obviously, like, you know, Turtles Arcade on NES, I played that for hours, like, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Probably played through countless times. And then uh, I didn't play much of Manhattan Project, but I played a ton of Turtles in Time. In fact, that was one of my favorite games ever, and I even think the SNES version, uh, you know, TMNT4, whatever, is better than the arcade version. Uh, you know, Turtles in Time's arcade is inferior to the SNES version. Um, you know, what's and, funny. what do you think? What do you think of the Genesis version? What do you think of Hyperstone Heist? I didn't really play that much either, uh, and I didn't play the handheld ones. Um, I did play Hyperstone Heist a bit, but um, I can't remember it. I played it as a kid. I actually it's, have the pack, the Cowabunga pack. I just never got to it yet. It's basically just Turtles in Time remixed with, uh, I hate to say, a little better controls because it's the Genesis, but oh. it's still it's still a good game. It's 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 not better or worse. It's different. I'll say that. Definitely want to check that out. 
But um, obviously, Shredder's Revenge is, you know, a continuation of that. It almost feels like mm-hmm. a direct sequel. And um, I don't know if you could. I literally cried when I heard uh, Rob Paulson's voice as uh, Raphael. I'm not even kidding, like tears <laughs> in my eyes. It was it was beautiful. It was I, I can't even describe it beyond just the beauty of it. It was right back to my childhood. Um, I, uh... It was nostalgia overload. Um I love the cheesiness of it. I love I love the fact that they were willing to make it as cheesy as a pie and they didn't care. And uh, like the death metal song that plays on one of the on one of the, um, you know, the mobile stages. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. The soundtrack's amazing, by the way. The vocals are amazing. Like the sound design is almost better than anything else. So. Yeah. And um, also like the throwbacks like New York 3 p.m. and like just Mm -hmm. countless throwbacks. Um, You know, they even have like. Oh, I can't even remember anything off the top of my head, but like, you know, set pieces from uh, Turtles 4 will be in the background and, you know, things like that. Um, a little too easy, though. Too short. Um, doesn't feel like it had the replayability because even, you know, I went back and played some Turtles 4 and I was I might have been on a huge retro game kick this year. I don't know if it's like a midlife. Oh, no, no, me too. What. No, me too. That was, I was going to talk about that later. I was going to ask you guys. But yeah, you guys are getting old. You know, oh, my like, gosh. Like, yes. No, aging like wine. Fine wine. Well, uh, no, I used to say to younger people, I'm like, I'm getting old. And I said it uh, straight face uh, and now everybody would be like, no, you're not. You're still young. And I said it to somebody this year and they just looked at me like, yeah, yeah, you're getting old. I'm like, man, it happened. <laughs> it's happening. You know, you need to get that um, the plastic surgery that you think looks good, but everybody else thinks makes you look like a monster. But they're not going <laughs> to tell you because they're too nice. They don't want to hurt your feelings. But, you're, you know, you're like that cat lady. That Jocelyn lady that looks like she's um, from, like, you know, um, Beauty and the Beast, like the yeah, Ron Perlman version. Absolutely monstrous, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, Nate, I loved what you did with your surgery. It looks oh, wonderful. Oh, you can't tell. Um, one, one quick thing, though. I have one complaint about Turtles, um, Shredder's Revenge. No skipping stones in the soundtrack. You remember that? Anybody? No, I don't, actually. Or God, maybe I'm not getting the no, reference. Oh, no. I'm going to date myself real bad. So do you remember Pizza Hut had that deal with the Turtles back in the day where you could get the, the Turtles on tour? The guys were dressed like the Turtles and they went on tour. Yes, and, I do remember that. By the way, if you're listening to this and you're under 30, that actually happened. I have the soundtrack on, on yes. tape somewhere. And uh, the, the theme song from Turtles in Time is from that video. Pizza Power. Like, that's what? from the video. Yeah, like, I didn't you know, know that. Yeah, like 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 Pizza Power of uh, what is it? Awesome saucer food delight. It's all from there. It's all from that tape. And there's a song where they have Splinter, and I I I'm not joking. Splinter is contemplating life by skipping stones in the lake, and he has his own solo. Splinter. Yeah. He's knows. That sounds vaguely familiar, but yeah, your brain, I was may, young have, uh, your brain maybe maybe blocked it because it's really it's yeah. But that's the only complaint. I mean, I like I said, I I actually quite love the game quite a bit. I I I'm like you, yeah, I love beat 'em ups. Uh, my favorite game, I think, when I first talked with you, was Streets of Rage Four, which a game yes. that I was disappointed with when I first played it, but it it grew on me. Did you hear they're making a Streets of Rage movie from the guy who made uh, John Wick? It's crazy. <laughs> Okay. You know, I don't hate that. I'm I'm okay. I think the older I get to, the more accepting I am of stuff. I'm like, you know what? Let's see it. Let's see what happens. It's like, well, as long as I get Yuzu Koshiro to do the soundtrack, that's all I care about. It it doesn't work without him. So. Yes. But anyway, um, uh, so after Turtles, what do we got? All right. Um, <clears throat> Iron Lung. 
uh, by, oh my god, the guy who developed Dusk, David Shemansky? Yes. It's a very Polish name. No, um, we, uh, we were just talking about Dusk. Um, Corey and I were like, like what was it, two weeks ago? Because uh, we I was planning on Luna, of all things. I think we did talk about that. And you, you said you weren't very into it, if I recall. I actually beat the game. Is that did you? Luna, yeah, Luna uh, Desk was the first game I ever beat on game streaming. Intel. I actually uh, Amazon. I feel like I'm advertising. Uh, Amazon uh, connected Luna with Amazon Prime. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can play Luna for free. And Dusk yeah, was the Luna game they gave away. Is actually pretty good. I had the controller yeah. for it. Uh, we I did for a review, and um, I actually really liked Luna. I liked it better than Stadia at the time. Oh, it's um, it's the be- I think it's the best out of all of them. By the way. Good. Um, thank God. Because yeah. everybody I say that to, I know Stadia is dead now and closing in like like a week. But yeah. um, everybody I said that to looked at me like I was crazy saying Luna is good. Luna is actually really good. It, it's oh, they, well, here's the thing, though. I think it's um, I don't I don't want to take away from your list time, but um, they added the Ubisoft thing. So if you have an Ubisoft account, you can play your games through Luna if you have Amazon Prime. But uh, but Dusk played perfectly on Luna. I was shocked at how good it played. Yeah, I um, <clears throat> had been hankering for those, uh, what do they call them now, boomer shooters. Mm-hmm. I actually went back because um, my Steam Deck, oh my God, I would like, I could hijack mm-hmm. this talking about hardware because um, I got the Playdate, my analog pocket came this uh, last oh, year, nice. and um, my Steam Deck, obviously. And uh, I played through Quake on my Steam Deck, Doom 1 on my Steam Deck. It was like the year of handhelds for me. I uh, I missed out on a lot of AAA titles because I was playing handheld how games. You, how do you play, though, on the Steam Deck? Do you play on the couch? Do you play on the bed? Like, what's your position? Well, actually, um, I got a dock provided by JSOX uh, mm-hmm. for review. So I've been using that on our big screen TV. So it's essentially just another console for me. Okay. Um, I hated Steam Link, but um, the Steam Deck is surprisingly powerful. Um, I could even play Dark Tide on it. It does not mm-hmm. run well. I use it to check the shop. So I don't, I've never actually run a match through it. But it's, it's surprisingly powerful. Um, very robust little system. And um, it's made me forget that I had a Nintendo Switch. I don't even play my Nintendo Switch anymore. Um, I even, and I hate that too, because Splatoon 3 came out. That's not even on my list. That's crazy, because I barely played it because of my Steam Deck. That's, yeah, that's the problem. Too many games. Yes, but um, Iron Lung, uh, fantastic. Um, Too short, unfortunately. Great atmosphere. I heard that he was going to develop a full game uh, Mm -hmm. in the Iron Lung universe, which I absolutely look forward to. I loved Subnautica. And Iron Lung was like uh, the scary parts of Subnautica Mm -hmm. only, you know? Um, It's a game essentially where you're uh, put into, you're welded into uh, a submarine and put into a ocean made of blood. And uh, you can't see. There's no viewports out. Um, you have to use your instrumentation and a map to be able to uh, navigate. Um, I think actually there may be a viewport because uh, you take pictures. I don't even remember what the objective is. Um, and um, man, I should look this up before, but it actually reminded me of another game that I really loved and I will never be able to look up. It's like a sci-fi game or a spaceship. Anyways. Um, it's a very small, very atmospheric, uh, very scary. Uh, Pixely kind of, too, right? I saw some. I think I saw the screenshots. It's it still got that aesthetic a little. Oh God, is it? Yeah, I'm sure it yeah. does. I'm sorry. Which is which it's, is fine now. It's accepted. We don't we don't judge. No, no, no. It's um. I played so many games this year. I can't even remember <laughs> what Iron Lung looks like. This is all just from like animal memory. Here we go. Now I'm looking at it again. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's like low. Pe- it's like kind of like Quake aesthetic. And you know, David Skamansky. It's yeah, very Polish name. Uh, I'm, he loves that, and I absolutely love his style. And I loved Iron Lung. It was very scary. Um, 
it's not knowing where you're going mixed with, uh, you know, incredible horror atmosphere and just like the sounds you can hear, you know, there's something out there and there is something chasing you in the water. And I don't want to spoil or anything, but um, I can't wait to see more in that universe. Um, check checking it out. It's like six bucks right now on Steam. So it's, it, you could buy you could buy it for less than a cup of coffee. It's not bad. Yes. And it's it's an hour playthrough at most, maybe 30 minutes. It doesn't take that long. Uh, it's kind of strange, like the way you navigate isn't it might not attract many people because it's not very exciting. It's kind of plotting. But, you know, like I, I it's exactly the type of game I love. And like the concept is crazy. You're just on an alien planet just exploring an ocean of blood. It's fantastic concept. Um another game I want to touch on real fast um is Escape Simulator. Um absolutely love that game. It's basically a escape room game and I know there's a lot of these but this this one is um put together really well. Um and the best part of it I while I love the the puzzles that come with the game and like the rooms that you can do with the game the best part of it is the community made uh rooms. Um it almost has endless content and I can't even describe what kind of content you can expect because the uh, the room builders are so robust that um, you can, you know, almost expect anything puzzle wise. Um, like uh, sometimes you'll, you know, get to, uh, creators that like to make really mathematically heavy puzzles. So you have to, you know, figure out kind of complex math or other ones that, you know, like you have to put pieces of, a uh, you know, stuff together in order to progress um if you like escape rooms escape room games i think escape simulator is probably my favorite um i play it with my brother and my wife so it's it's like a fun family game then again i play dark tide with them too so but um gonna ask you a question we were actually talking about this um right before the show like i i did another episode with some other editors but all these simulator games that have come out recently um they have a they have a simulator for everything have you noticed this like this yes. is the year of this is the year of power wash simulator. But like you had multiple goat simulators, PC building sequel simulators, you had cop simulators, thief simulators, Kmart simulators. You've had like people just hate the real world. They want to simulate. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. And you can escape simulate also now. Exactly. Um, <laughs> uh yeah, you know, I um it feels like the simulator labels kind of like a way to say like, Hey, our game's janky, but fun. And you can kind of expect that for most of the time. Um, escape simulator is not really like that. It's actually, um, more of a, like an earnest, um, like attempt at like recreating escape rooms. And, um, it's not really, it's not really a type of game that I would kind of like think like the room series. Um, but you know, with friends, perhaps not that intricate because it, you're um, tearing me apart lisa <laughs> not not that room but yes. <laughs> um all right and the last thing i want to talk about um uh kind of um well yeah okay uh second to last thing because i want to mention mm -hmm. well i'll mention fix fox first i never actually beat fix fox i probably played it for about an hour or so but it's on my list because it was adorable. It was amazing. You play as a fox in kind of like an overhead view, open world. You go around and fix things um, to progress the game. And you do it in different ways. It's kind of like tactile, you know, like you'll find a panel. You have to unscrew the panel. You have to have the right tool. So you don't have the right tool. You have to like go back until you find it um, to, you know, be able. So it's kind of like a Metroidvania in that way. I'd like to say, because I haven't really played it that much. But 
it's this is one of the games I was absolutely enamored with. I was completely loving, and then my life got in the way uh, early last year, so I, I didn't get a chance to finish it. And it recently showed up on a uh, you know best games that you missed in 2022, and this is one of the games I definitely want to go back to and play. Fix Fox, you know, if you guys want to hear more about Fix Fox, there's a fantastic review of that game on popstar.com. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You know, it's funny because you look at Fix Fox and uh, who who reviewed it on Popstar? Was it you, Corey? That was me, yes. That was you. I said uh, fantastic review, didn't I? Oh, I thought I thought you were alluding <laughs> to fantastic Mr. Fix Fox. Get it? Um, this is a fun game to look at, even in screenshots, Endel. Like it's got bananas and crabs, and it's just it's you would never tell what it is just by looking at screenshots. I think you have to experience it. So, Corey, is my assessment correct then? And did you like your final assessment? Did you like it? I'll definitely go so, and read your <laughs> review. But yeah, this is so a- I did like it. Um, I appreciated that it had kind of this randomized, procedurally generated quest thing going on where you weren't just fixing stuff in order. It wasn't like an adventure game. Like, it is kind of this ongoing series of stuff you can play with, which I thought was super cool. She liked it, too, if you heard her. The cat? Uh, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, no, I thought it's a really solid game, and you should read the review. Everybody should read the review. In fact, everybody should tell their friends to read it, too. Give me some clicks. There we go. Got a question. Yeah. Got a question. I don't. I don't know if either of you played it. Um, we don't really talk a lot about Apple Arcade on Popstar because there's, it's really hard to do reviews for some of these games. But a huge game that Apple was promoting was called Sneaky Sasquatch. Have either of you heard of this? No. Apparently, it's like one of the biggest games Apple's ever had, and they're trying to like turn it into a franchise. And if I look at if you if you just type in Sneaky Sat, uh, I can't talk. I cannot talk. Sneaky Sasquatch. It reminds me a lot of Fix Fox, and it's like that over overlook uh, over what do you call it? Uh, overhead, over, yeah. over, overhead perspective, but more procedural generated. But it, it's it's got that same wacky randomness. But yeah, it's. I wonder if this is a new genre that we're seeing emerge. We could be seeing the beginning of Clone City, Corey. Oh man, Sneaky Sasquatch looks to me like a mix of um oh my god, what's that golf game? What the golf and um golf, yeah. Um, what about that goose game? Do you remember the goose yes, game that came out? Yeah. Goose game. Yeah. Um Goose Game, goose yeah. Game. Untitled yeah. Goose Game. That's Untitled okay. Goose Game, that's the yeah. word. But guys, uh, if I can uh, if I can interject here real quick, something entirely unrelated, but I thought the listeners should know. Mm. Um there was a thing that a lot of different digital distribution services did, like Steam did this, Nintendo did this, uh, and Sony did this, where you could see like a recap of the stuff that you played in the previous year, like a replay sort of thing. And I want you all to know that Babylon's Fall for the PS5 was in my top five games played for the year. <laughs> that, uh, I'm going to go cry. Please continue. <laughs> you did um, it, though. You, you, you accomplished it. You didn't let it get go by. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, you're a, you saw a piece of history very few are ever going to see. I did. I, I saw a dark piece of history. <laughs> <laughs> you're a witness to it. Um, last thing I wanted to talk about uh, real quick was um, Power Slave Exhumed, and I'm sure yes. none of you have heard of Power Slave. No, before. no, I, I was a huge fan of this. Uh, I was I was really happy to see it on your list. Oh, excellent. Um, well, I, I kind of have a strange perspective from it because I heard of it when it was a DOS game back when I was a kid because I loved first-person shooters, and I kind of forgot about it because it was kind of was like a – Was it DOS? Was it? I yes. think it was Saturn. Um, it was. Um, yeah. this, is, this is where it gets interesting. Ah. So I knew of it as a DOS game. It was a build game. It was actually made on an early version of the build engine, which you know, of course, is the Duke Nukem 3D engine if you're not mm-hmm. aware. 
Um, so it was actually made on an earlier version of the build engine. And as a kid, I'm like, well, it's just kind of like, well, now we've known as like a corridor style boomer shooter, um, kind of mm. linear. However, when the new power slave came out, I was like, okay, so it's just, you know, a corridor boomer shooter. No, it's kind of like a Metroidvania game yeah, exactly. where you get power ups and these power ups enable you to get to new parts of the level. And I was like, what? Cause I didn't know it was like that at all. And I found out the Sega Saturn version and the, uh, the PlayStation versions, uh, employed this and that just first of all blew my mind and it led me on a strange oh, retro because yeah. i exactly i know where you're going with this yeah because so. i was already you know collecting retro games and stuff so you know i i had to i had to play these um old ports so i um but as i discovered um uh since the saturn version of power slave was actually put onto uh you know they didn't they couldn't port the the build engine over they actually made an engine called the slave driver engine mm-hmm. um which interestingly duke nukem for sega saturn was ported over the slave driver engine which makes sense because you know that was a build engine game but quake was also ported to the slave driver engine for saturn so of course i had to play that too it's... um so yeah i'm sorry power slave led me on this no no it's it's incredible rabbit absolutely... It's it made me so sad because I was I was the lone Saturn fan in my in my group. I I was always like I played Tomb Raider on the Saturn. I loved the PlayStation version, but I always wanted my Saturn to do more. And then you play games like uh, Power Slave and Duke Nukem 3D, and they were better on the Saturn than they were on the PlayStation. Yes, and, absolutely, and, they and were. Come, yes, yeah, and it comes down to the company Lobotomy Software, and I forget their prestige. I I know something happened with them, but they just disappeared, and it was sad. It was sad. Yeah, I think they got gobbled up by somebody. I can't remember. I knew I looked it up at some point. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm that way, too. Um, I'm about 30 years too late, but uh, mm-hmm. I have a couple Saturns now, and I'm, I'm building my Saturn library. Um, and that's, of course, uh, I, I have Power Slave for it. <laughs> I will say this, though. I will say I'm not looking through nostalgia glasses. I was actually doing a deep dive of Saturn and PlayStation game. The PlayStation was awesome, and there's no way around it. Like, I had more – I have better experiences with the PlayStation – but the Saturn has a lot to offer if you're willing to dig deep into it, especially the Japanese Saturn. Like there's tons and tons of great stuff that never it's like the turbo graphics, like the PC engine. There's the best stuff on the Saturn never came out in the West, but it's a, it's a deep dive worth taking. And Power Slave is uh, one of the best. So, yeah, Power Slave um, exhumed, um, which I guess is technically the one I'm talking about. It's like, why are you talking about all these old games? Because, you know, if <laughs> Night Dive Studios, was it Night Dive Studios remastered it and released it for uh, Nintendo Switch and PC and um, all that. And Night um, Dive's done a bunch of those too, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, System Shock remastered is coming out soon from That's Night true, Dive. In March. Um, yeah, I'm very, very, yeah, they just released the email uh, or the release date for that, like a day or today or something. I don't even know. But, um, Power Slave Exhumed, fantastic old school game that uh, many people didn't know about it. Um, but yeah, it was probably one of my favorite games I played this year. It was a complete surprise because it was not what I expected. Did, um, did you ever play the PlayStation version or just the Saturn version? I uh, I have the PlayStation version too because I walked into a game store. And I was like, oh my God, they have the PlayStation version. So I got it as an impulse buy. And, um, and I told the shop owner... Um, and I said, uh, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you get this. And he's like, this is the first time I've seen it in years. And he had the shop for like 20 years or something, you know. And um, so it was like serendipitous. But, yes, I have it. I played it. Um, it's very comparable to the Saturn version, a mm-hmm. little bit different. Apparently, they added new rooms, uh, different enemy types. Like, there's a few differences, but uh, I haven't played through it, though. 
No, it's uh, I'm I'm just happy that someone mentioned Power Slave. Like it's it's one of those games that just got overlooked for obvious reasons. And um, I don't know, did they ever do? Um, you mentioned uh, boomer shooters and everything. We're talking about Saturn. Did you ever play Hexen on the Saturn? No, I didn't. That was one of the other ones I wanted to get into. Um, yeah, because I got Power Slave, Duke 3D, and uh, Quake for the Saturn, but I didn't get Hexen. The only other one I can recommend on the Saturn, because like I said, it's it's it is harder to go back and play some of those FPSs. But uh, Alien Trilogy was also pretty good on the Saturn. I think yes, better I got than the, that. I think it's also better than the PlayStation version, if, if that means anything. It but, does. Uh, yes, I have it on both. I, I went through a weird phase uh, early last year of buying Saturn or PlayStation ports of Saturn games to compare them. Um, Alien Trilogy was one of them, and yes, I like the, I prefer the Saturn version. Uh, I don't know if it's available on PlayStation, but um, if another one more Saturn game I'll recommend just before we get off, because I love talking about Saturn. Uh, Skeleton Warriors on the Saturn. Did you ever play it? Like, it's not a great game, but it's got, like, one of the best soundtracks any game's ever had. It's by uh, Tommy Tallarico. Um, he did all these great soundtracks that are on games that you cannot buy anymore, like Terminator. Uh, what was it? Uh, Robocop versus Terminator, I think it was, on the Sega CD, um, Skeleton Warriors, uh, Skull Monkeys, all kinds of stuff. Can't buy them anymore. Can't get them. There's no way to get them. It's they've never re-released them. So, huh. yeah. No, I'm actually not familiar with Skeleton Warriors. That is on my list now. Oh yeah. Uh, based off the TV show, uh, the the I think it's the TV show, but the game itself, yep. it's it's okay. The game is okay, but the soundtrack makes it worth it. It's just it's impossibly epic. So, but yeah, that's that's my nostalgia bomb. And it is not multiple hundreds of dollars, so that's nice to know. So it's actually <laughs> these old Sega Saturn games, I don't know if you've been tracking, but they're pretty expensive. Oh, yeah. That's that's the thing. It's all about scarcity. It's all about, you know, like, not too many people had them. So that's the problem. But um, do you have any worst games of the year? The games that really just were turds? Oh, I do. I do. Um, let me go through them real quick. Um El Paso Nightmare. Uh, it's kind of like a um, it's a first person shooter, uh, kind of like a boomer shooter sh- uh, shooter style. Um, it's uh, I need to look up the guy's name. Developed, I think, by one guy. Um, no, I don't remember his name is. Well, now it has a developer studio because I think he used to just have his name. But anyways, um, it's a very strange. Uh, it's kind of like a tech demo almost for um, like a, a, a game, I think that he wants to release later um, El Paso elsewhere. So it's like a $5, you know, like kind of like a tech demo, you know, kind of intro to this world. The first half of it is actually pretty brilliant. It's kind of like a, almost like a backroom style. Um, you know, you have to avoid enemies, uh, kind of labyrinthine, uh, you know, like you're not sure what's happening. The world's changing around you. But then the second half is one of the worst boomer shooters I've ever played in my life. Um, it's kind of like an N64 style uh, shooter, but um, it's just uh, unsatisfying shooting, um, kind of um, garish atmosphere. Very disappointing compared to the first half of the game. That's why it stood out probably as one of my worst games, because it had such potential and it just was Fizzled. awful. Awful, yes. Um, another one on my worst games list, which I need to mention, which uh, is kind of heartbreaking for me because it's made by a Chicago local developer. Um, the game's called Onsen Master. And this is one of those games that I was following at uh, local game uh, like shows um, for probably the last four or five years. Um, it finally released, and it was just so bad. It's one of those um, kind of like time management games uh, where you yeah, play... 
this was in development forever, wasn't it? Because I remember seeing this back at the last E3 I went to back in probably 2018, 2017, 2018. Yes, yeah, because I think I was following it since 2016, 2015, maybe around then. I could be wrong. It could have been 2017 on. But um, it's like uh, kind of like Overcooked, um, but except, you know, you're adding uh, like a Japanese um, sauna, like a um, onsen bath. I I forgot. I I knew all about it when I was actually doing the review, but like I said, in and out, I play so many games. But anyways, um, uh, it's just, there's so many things about it that didn't work. Um, and it's weird things that weren't, uh, that like are almost like game 101 stuff. Like the, first of all, like the, the character movement's very floaty, so it's not fun. Um, picking up stuff just feels awkward. And then, I don't know if you guys play a lot of those um, overcooked style, like time management games. Um, but um, they have like kind of a clumsiness built into them and things, you know, you run into people, you're, you know, and that's kind of like the chaos that creates the game. But in Onsen Master, it's just so floaty and awkward. It's not, the frustration doesn't come from, you know, your co-op partner, it comes from the game itself. And that is tedious and not fun. Um, also, there's a curious lack of sounds. Um, even I had to turn the music off to see if there was any sound effects at all, because doing things like cleaning out the baths or like picking up items like doesn't even make like a um, barely any noise. So like you can't really because there's a lot of how sound design um, you're not really aware of it if it's really good, but it gives you an idea of like how to like feel the game in a way that, um, you know, you're probably not even knowing that you're doing. And uh, without that layer, um, you're kind of missing, um, you know, you don't know if you successfully, you know, press this and activated whatever you're trying to activate. And Onsen Master was missing that. And I really hate to rag on this game. I was just looking forward to it so much. And it just oh, you can, you can rag on it. You can rag on all you want. <laughs> We're all, you're among friends. Well, I was, I was looking forward to that so much. Um, and I think, uh, I know I have games like Ooblets. My wife reviewed that one for Third Coast. Um, she hated it. I know that's, um, I think please, it was on Please tell me about why you didn't like Ooblets. I'm, I'm sweating over here. Um, well, I'm trying to read her list because this is, she did the review. Um, uh, she didn't like the dance battles. They weren't hard. Uh, let me see. Um, just off the boat, you're in a strange culture. You have to fit it and settle. Cute world with adorable pets called Ooblets. Um, but it just didn't mesh with the dance battles not being very hard. Farming is a huge grind. Progression is locked behind it. Um, it doesn't feel relaxing. Oh, I guess you wanted a more relaxing game, um, but it ended up feeling like grindy and tedious. And I think that aspect annoyed her. Um, probably it just was, didn't turn out to be what she wanted it to be. Um, See, oh. I, was, I, I was really hoping she'd kind of touch on the baby talk that's constantly used in the game. Like, it's not yes. it's not a watery can, it's a sprinkly dinkly do. That's exactly the next line. Yeah, but tries too hard. Everyone's NPCs, everybody's so snarky, so cutesy, it became very annoying. Uh, what could have been cute felt forced. The grind was unpleasant. There was much in the way of tutorials to help ease the burden. The story didn't really drive me to press on, was her uh, final thoughts on that. But interestingly, also, um, there is that developer um, controversy, and I don't know if any of you remember mm. that, or um, I don't even know if you care to talk about it, but um, that always kind of clouded um, Ublis in my mind, too, um, because they promised, I think it was a Kickstarter thing, oh, I'm going to have the story wrong, but they ended up becoming an Epic Game exclusive, um, even though they had I, promised. I remember this. Yeah they, yeah, they became an Epic Game exclusive, and because they had promised Steam codes, people were like, hey, refund our Kickstarter money, wait, 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 and they just kind of laughed it out. Wait. Are you saying that a kickstarting game didn't live up to its promises? This is not. 
Oh my goodness. Yes. But usually they either take the money and run or apologize. Ooblets chose a third more perplexing option where they were completely snarky and sarcastic in their response to the, their, you know, customers, basically the people who gave them money to make this game. And it was baffling because they could have just said, Hey guys, we're sorry. We want to take the money. You know, if you don't like that, take some refunds. But they like you just you need to look it up. You need to read their uh, response. I can't even do it justice in how uh, insulting to, to it put is. it in Ublet speak. They were they were meanie weenie bobini to their customers and <laughs> customers. You know, yes. you, know what's, you know, what's funny about this. Um, did you ever you guys ever hear about a movie called The Oogie Loves? No. Have you heard about that the? Sounds you like, like bad sounds movies. like more the kind of thing you're into. Do you do you watch no, no, it with like, like a jar of mayo well, next to your bed? Or I'm looking at the name of this game, the Ooblets, right? And I'm and I'm thinking it reminds me of the look it up. Just look it up. The Oogie Loves. The Oogie Loves was like this forty million dollar movie that came out from the guy who created the um, oh, what's that uh, the Teletubbies, and they had Christopher Lloyd was in it. All these big big stars. It was an interactive movie that came out, and it's one of the greatest box office bombs of all time i swear all you time. should say things and it manifests like you have a weird god power yeah where, it, it's like, like the I best thing before. yeah where did this come from the oogie loves and the big balloon adventure just manifested out of thin yeah. air apparently and, it came out in 2012 um <laughs> because of nate's godlike powers yeah and um, it's like but then i hear oogie loves and i hear ooblets and i'm like i think they're praying to satan and <laughs> satan <laughs> says don't don't and google s- any of this stuff he mentions about being <laughs> yeah. in incognito mode yeah it's <laughs> And it's like I think that's that's the, that's the the sign of the devil. The sign of the devil isn't six six six. It's o o oogie. Like that's the thing. Oogie loves ooblets. It's it looks the same too. It's got the same diabetic causing like color scheme. I'm not joking either. It's bad. <laughs> How did I not Tony Braxton, Cloris Leachman, <laughs> yes. Christopher Lloyd, Chaz Pullman, Terry Ellis, great Cloris Leachman, last role. So, oh, really? Yeah, it had it been, huh? Wow. Yep. That's how she wanted to go. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry about bringing that up, but it just, it's oh, just, gosh. to me, my mind just went there. Sorry, that's the problem, though, Antel. When you were on a website where you cover so many different aspects, you start putting the, the science together, like, you know, the conspiracy theory where you have the board with the, the pins. And you're putting it all together and you realize all we have to do is find the musical version of the Oogie Loves and the Ooblets and we will unleash, you know, our master and he will destroy the earth with um, this crap. Wow, that'll be a day. I can't wait. <laughs> It'll happen. Yeah, isn't that what we're all working toward? Yeah, exactly. Like at least we don't have to pay rent anymore. So. <laughs> so anyway, uh, sorry about that. Sorry about that diversion into spooky town. Um, I think, uh, there's a lot of like the last Aura crew. I don't know if you played that. Um, I did. I did. I was hoping you'd talk about that one. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to so get bad. into deep dives. Yeah. Same thing. It's it, kind of like Elix two or Gothic, uh, two. It's kind of like in the same vein of those games, except last Aura crew tries really hard to be, um, an open world souls like when of course months earlier, Elden ring came out. So, I mean, I don't even right. know how they can compete in that space. Um, yeah. Um, another game that's kind of in the same vein uh, that went more of the Bloodborne way is Thymesia. A lot of people really liked this game, and I am just baffled as to why. Um, and if you do, I'm so sorry, but it's terrible. It's, yeah, it's it got does really... definitely feel like Dollar Store Bloodborne. Yes, thank you. Like the, you know, we have Bloodborne at home. <laughs> yeah, game, exactly. You know? 
Yeah, and um, I I appreciated the uh, kind of um, what was that game? Um, why is my Bloodborne plus other from software game? You're kind of like a ninja samurai. Sekiro. Sekiro. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, it kind of combines those two games, um, but not very well, you know. And like the thing that makes the uh, from software game so good is the very tight combat mechanics, and you know how satisfying they are. And the Mija um, does not accomplish that. Um, uh, you know, of course, there's like terrible boomer shooters that come out every year, but probably the worst one I played was Kingdom of the Dead. Um, probably the worst shooter I've played in a decade. When you were um, um, when you were mentioning El Paso Nightmare, I thought about Kingdom of the Dead. I was getting those two confused in my head because it, it, you know, aesthetically they all, they have a little in common. But that is very yes, you're actually absolutely right. Now that I'm looking at them side by side, that is very true. They um, but. Uh, King of the Dead really goes on that whole uh, contrast color, um, yeah, yeah, art style. Whereas um, uh, El Paso really leans in on that. Um, we just learned colored lighting and 64, <laughs> you know, style, which I appreciate, you know. But and again with El Paso, kind of going back, I, I am going to play El Paso elsewhere because the first half of Nightmare had really good potential, but I, I feel like it's just going to be whatever. But there is no redeeming qualities for um, Kingdom of the Dead no. whatsoever. That's it's probably one of the worst first-person shooters I've ever played, and I've probably played more first-person shooters than it has one redeeming quality. It's black and white. Like that's like that's a basic aesthetic, and that's it. That's that's all it's got going for it. It's it's terrible. Yeah, it has almost like uh, like a pencil drawn uh, look to it, uh, but that's it. Yeah, that's and you can't have a game that's all art style. Um, I mean, so many bad games. Scathe, yeah. another terrible uh, first person shooter. It, it wanted to be Doom. It is not even a good first. The guns are useless. Why get new guns? There's no exploring levels. You just kind of it's kind of like a roguelike, but it's not. Um, there isn't even level progression. Um, you go from like one arena to another. Um, it's just bad. Um, actually, yeah, I, I did play this one. It was really bad, but I'm still recoiling from thinking about Last Door Crew. So <laughs> <laughs> all these games, I play so many games. I, I just I have to um, compile them and make notes because but, everything just leaves my mind. So but you have now. to play the bad ones. The bad ones make help you appreciate the good ones. They're all the bad ones. You don't understand. <laughs> They're so like so um, rare that I actually get to play a game that's good. They're all the bad ones. But yes, you're right. I absolutely treasure the chances I have, <laughs> or the the good games I get a chance your, to play. Your, t- your time on Earth is limited, and you know, I mean, if you're gonna play a game that's gonna make you, you know, it's gonna make you hate yourself, play a game you like, like Elden Ring. You don't have to play a game that will make you want to tear your eyes out. Like yeah, looks. and um, that's why I probably haven't played Elden Ring now because uh, by now I've been waiting. I've been kind of waiting to savor it. Um, that was my plan for December, but you know, just got sick in December, so because um, you know all that stuff going around. Oh, I got the flu pretty bad. That's why we had to delay. Like I, like I said, I got the flu, then I got the cold, and I had my vaccinations too. And I just, I just, yeah, biology wasn't cooperating with me. Let's see. Uh, all right. Well, do you have any more stinkers to talk about? No, I mean, um, not really. Uh, I had Phobia St. Dinfna Hotel on the list. Um, it's kind of like a um, Resident Evil-like 
ish but that game is so mundane and mediocre in my opinion it's not really worth even talking about it barely made my worst of list just because it's so forgettable well we had some uh we had some other editors that contributed a few uh their of their favorites and least favorites it's these are very small lists i'll go through them real quick if you guys have any comments please feel free uh let's start with our good old sebastian stoddard you're basically your uh, disciple, Corey, who he idolizes you to death. You're, he you're idolizes me to death, and here he is with. Uh, let me let me just kind of squint at this list, <laughs> br- bring out my magnifying glass here. <laughs> I'm looking at the word two. best, and right beneath it is that is that an ooblets? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> we, we all have opinions. Um, so Son, Sebastian, I am disappointed. I'll say this: Sebastian, uh, his list is small, but I'll just say it real quick. Uh, his number one was Ghostwire Tokyo, which is on my list too, and I'll save it for that. That is a that's a solid game. Solid game. Ooblets uh, was there. We we enough about Ooblets. That, that is less so. If we speak it enough, you know, like like Beetlejuice, it'll come and get us. Uh, Lost Recipes. You know about that? Sound familiar? Nope. Flat Eye. Have you heard about Flat Eye? Uh, nope. Flat Eye. He's he's he he's got a type. He likes he likes the the farming games too. So there you go. Uh, worst games, and you probably heard this, Horse Tales, Emerald Valley Ranch. You know, I'm not sure that you that you boot up Horse Tales, Emerald Valley Ranch, and you think to yourself, you know what, I'm going to give this one the old college try. I'm sure it's going to be Corey, great. Corey, you're the one who reviewed Barbie's Magic Funhouse, and you compared it to Grant. What did you compare it to? First off, excuse you, that was Barbie and her sister's puppy Bar- rescue, and I compared it to Fallout 4. Okay, <laughs> it's counter-programming. Uh, so, uh, there's another game, Animal Trail Girlish Square. I don't even, I don't want to know more about it. The name is bad. I think they call, I think there's a place called Girlish Square downtown. They can't, you shouldn't bring your kids. You should bring your kids there. Uh, the next one is going to be, you're going to disagree with, uh, you said Pokemon Violet. So, which I know is on a lot of people's list too. It's, it, that's, would... that's a strange game. Yeah, it's very divisive. I, I can imagine why. I probably don't agree, but I can imagine why. So let's go to our tech editor, Herman Exum. Uh, finished recording a podcast with him about CES about an hour before we talked to talk to you guys. His list is small. He has no he has no unfavorites. He's just only games you like. Number one for him was Gran Turismo Seven. Uh, he played this on PS4 first, then PS5. Loves the game to death. He wanted me to mention to you guys, if you haven't seen it, have you seen the trailer for the Gran Turismo movie? The Gran Turismo movie? You know, I knew one was going to exist. I didn't see the trailer. Oh, yeah, with Orlando Bloom. Um, Yeah, they got a trailer up for it. I think they did it at CES or right before it. They, uh, it's from the guy who directed District 9. The one, uh, What's his name? The guy who was supposed to be Neil Blomkamp? Yeah, Gran Turismo the movie. Really? Yep. And so he, he went from Halo to Gran Turismo. Okay. Well, he did. He did uh, Chappie. <laughs> well, he didn't actually get to yeah. do Halo either, unfortunately. No. Instead, we got that weird TV show. Um, we don't talk about that show. That show is an abomination. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> it's an abomination. We don't see that's, yeah. that. That's another version of hell. Um, he he says, how on earth do you make a movie at a Gran Turismo when the game is based on being a boring simulator? And so he's got a point, but watch the movie if you have a chance. I mean, watch the trailer if you have a chance. Um, next on his list is a game that was on my list too, Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Um, I think it made a couple people's lists. Uh, so good game, but I'll talk about it in a second. Capcom Fighting Collection. 
which is one of many, 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 many collections that came out this year. Yes, yes, that should have been on the list. That game is amazing. It yes. is very good. Yeah, I've played a fair amount of this. Yep. I only played for Puzzle Fighter. I'm sorry. He wanted me to. Well, he wanted me to mention that uh, Red Earth and Vampire Savior plus another one were the first time ever on a home console. So there you Red go. Earth, Vampire Savior, and Cyberbots. Cyberbots. Um, I think versions also eventually came out because how many collections of Capcom had? Like they had a, they had another collection this year too, the arcade collection too, I think. So they they loved to double, triple, quadruple dip those things. Um, also on his list was Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. Which, I I played a whole lot of that game, and the only yeah. reason it didn't make my list is because it would have had to share room with Elden Ring, and it's good, but it's not that good. I think the trailer turned people off. I think the trailer was so ridiculously over the top that it I I, I you know what I mean like it, at this point I don't know what reputation Final Fantasy has anymore. I don't know like I don't I don't I don't think it's esteemed like it used to be, but we'll see. Uh, let me see now. Now, our producer, our podcast producer, Chris Mitchell, Wolfman, Chris Wolfman Mitchell, he's got a little couple things. A couple of these are already repeats. So I'll just go through them real quick. His favorites for 2022, uh, Kirby and the Forgotten Land was his top pick for the year. So, again, good game. Number two is Sifu. Um, I don't know if you guys have played Sifu. Uh, Corey, I think you played Sifu, didn't I, you? Uh, I, I was floored when you told me that Chris had beaten Sifu because beat I uh, yeah. I've beaten all the Dark Souls's and I have not yet beaten Sifu. Sifu was very difficult. You know what's crazy about Sifu? Um, Sifu came out on the Switch like late last year. Do you do you see this? And it was actually a really good port. Like the game looks simple enough, so it, yeah, it's a pretty much a perfect port on the Switch. But uh, he played. I think he played the PC version. So. Uh, here's a, here's one that none of you guys mentioned, but this was like a big game for like 10 seconds this year. Stray, the cat game. You know, that's, that's actually why I didn't end up, did not mention it, because it was a big game for about 10 seconds. Like, it's yeah. a cat game. Ah! And honestly, like, it was okay. And, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where they get, like, the it's it's one of those Twitter-hyped games where things are really big on social media. I'm not trying to say the game's not good or anything. It's just something happens. And speaking of that, next on the list, uh, Cult of the Lamb. I know, Corey, you are a fan of this, aren't I'm a, you? I'm a, I'm a ruined Cult of the Lamb for everybody. So Cult of the Lamb, right? It's a, uh, it's, it's kind of like it's a cross between like a Harvest Moon style life simulator and uh, a roguelike where you go out and fight stuff. But the thing is, while you're out fighting stuff, the cult that you are cult evading ah, <laughs> back home, uh, they get hungry and you got to feed them. But here's the trick: one of the very first upgrades you can get. Makes it so that they'll eat grass. You never have to worry about it again. I just beat Colt the Lamb for you. Boom, mic drop. Uh-oh. You just, spoiler alert. So, Colt the Lamb. Uh, how about this? Pokemon Legends Arceus. Or Is it Arceus or Arceus? Arceus with a K. Arceus. Arceus. Yeah, my wife loved that. She uh, she does all the Pokemon stuff because I, I don't touch Pokemon. Um. <laughs> Afraid you're going to get drawn in, have to catch them all, and... This is uh this this and the other one Pokemon was it Pokemon Violet and Scarlet what was the other one Violet and Scarlet Violet and Scarlet yes. also came out this year yeah I know um I know you're big fans of this this is one of those things where I think people took like a certain glee in talking about that the game was buggy because I don't think we're norm we normally see Nintendo games being buggy so and I think I think some of that overwhelmed the conversation. Where, uh... I think we've reached the point in technical discussion where if somebody can post a screenshot of something bad happening on Twitter, we must assume it's happening to everybody. Mm -hmm. I didn't run into any bugs at all playing Scarlet and Violet. I think what happened is people bootlegged it. 
and because the bootleg because the game got bootlegged and you yes. know there's some pretty good switch emulators and i think we've seen some i'm not going to mention who i don't know if you saw this Antel, but legitimate websites have been bootlegging games and reviewing bootlegs what? And, yeah and they and they posted things i forget who it was i, I don't want to say game informer but it was one of a big one and the, i think what was the first one they bootlegged it was uh sonic colors i think it was they oh, got i don't caught, remember anything about this yeah like like i said it's it's one of those things where it's like i mean we talked about this before Corey, where people will talk about games being bootlegged or movies being bootlegged but they'll but they'll write an article about it but they say don't do it don't do it but kind of encouraging people to do it so yeah, it's with switch games in particular you run into the situation where uh, we reviewed shin megami tensei 5 and mm-hmm. i reviewed it based on playing the switch version mm-hmm. but I will very subtly hint to everybody that if you play on this thing that rhymes with with Shuzu, uh, you're probably going to have a much better well, experience. And to be fair, though, this is a mainstream thing. Like you guys talk about the Steam Deck, right? Yeah. Valve released a trailer where they actually, whoops, they put yep. the Switch emulator in the video. Oopsie and I think that was, that was the most intentional mistake I've ever seen because that's. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, buy the Steam Deck. You don't have to buy a Switch. But either way, um, going back to his next list, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Shredder's Revenge, we already talked about it. And his last game for the best was Disney Dreamlight Valley, a game that... I, uh, I did a, play a little a, bit of this, but yeah. I'm not ever going to admit it in, in public because it's embarrassing. It's a hit game. It's, it's pretty popular. Yeah, uh, I'm also mostly joking. It's actually a pretty interesting kind of Disney-themed life simulator. I made a really big, ugly old guy, and I just stood next to Elsa from Frozen and kind of stared at her. That That was my experience with the game. That's it's a like, life uh, choice you could make, yes. What was that PlayStation? <laughs> what was that PlayStation version of the Miis that came out that died a, a quick death on uh, PlayStation? PlayStation Home. Yeah, yes. like oh, yeah. yeah. You remember that? Like you get to relive all the all the sleaze. So, <laughs> man, I'm like a... Elsa. Elsa, I know you have standards, but you just gotta let it go. <laughs> just let it go. God. <laughs> yeah, you never notice the sequel didn't produce any hit songs. So on Chris's worst, this is a small list. Uh, number one was Diablo Immortal. Uh, I've heard nothing but bad things, but I don't, I don't know. I have no opinion on it. Do, I've, played, uh, I've played a little bit on my iPad, and what I played, um, I actually didn't quit because it was bad or because of the predatory microtransactions or because of whatever happened at Blizzard this week. Um, <laughs> I quit because I already played Diablo 3. Yeah. Was it free-to-play, though? or? Yeah, it's free-to-play. Okay. Speaking of that, uh, Rainbow Six Extraction was next on his bad list. Um, I did play that one. It's... Uh, it's not terrible. It's one of those things uh, you, you run into this situation where it's a fun game if you play with a group of friends. It turns out basically any game is a fun game if you play with a group of friends. That is and Jackbox even, is cheaper. Even bad games are like even a bad game could be more fun with friends. Yeah. Uh, now, this one's going to be controversial because none of you guys have mentioned it, but he put Sonic Frontiers on his table. I, I was shocked when I saw this, and I, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what he didn't like about it because all I've heard is that this game is very popular with Sonic fans. Yeah, but everything's popular with Sonic fans. Like that's the no, thing. They have. That no, 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 no. Yeah, but Sonic. Yeah, you have to that is entirely like, incorrect. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> no, what I'm saying. No, what I'm saying is Sonic. But Sonic fans are legion, and you know this as well as I do. Like, if there's a really bad Sonic game, they'll say they hate it, but they'll still play it. You know this. I don't know. I I haven't played Sonic Frontiers, but I I will say this from what I've seen and what we've talked about. This is one of those games where the the platform matters. Like, if you play the Switch version, I heard the Switch version is atrocious, like, compared to the others. So I have no other opinion besides that. But Sonic Frontiers, I heard the soundtrack, though. The soundtrack's pretty good. The, sound, the soundtrack is a banger. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, next on his list was Gungrave Gore, or G-O-R-E, whatever. whatever. 
It's available um, on Game Pass. Hint, available hint. on Game Pass. Um, have you played it? I have. Um, it's not very good. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, cool? it's. I, I played, played about an hour of it. It kind of sucks, so I stopped. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a um, Banana Dante or Devil May Cry rather, um, but mediocre. It's. I wouldn't put it in my worst, but it's certainly not good. Yeah. Uh, the uh, not great. It, it, the legacy of it is that there were two Gungrave games in the PS2 that were kind of these bombastic, explosive character action games. Uh, and what Antal said about uh, things more like Bayonetta or Devil May Cry is not t- terrible, and it's not a terrible comparison. But then this game comes out and it's just it's trying too hard and just it's not great. I saw the yeah the, the <laughs> like the name, the cover art, and everything. It's like this game is trying way too hard for you to think it's intense. Yeah. Um. Speaking of that, uh, next one we've no stranger to this franchise, Vampire: The Masquerade Swan Song. Man, I when I when I looked at the list right before we started recording, I thought to myself, <laughs> I really wish I'd remember to put this on my worst list because this game <laughs> is horrible. That's because your brain uh your brain smushed it out. Yeah. No, <laughs> sorry. I I'm just too busy having thoughts about Babylon's fall. I guess. Um, <laughs> Swan Song is a. Uh, you remember those old choose your own adventure books where like. You'd have to roll dice, and if the dice went poorly, you'd die. But it's a single-player choose-your-own-adventure book, so you don't really feel like you're playing a game. And that that's that. It's that. Yeah, that, that's the game. This. Well, I might have a different take on it. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was a good game. Um, but it reminded me of um, – I've been getting heavy into tabletop, and a lot of people who play Vampire the Masquerade or World of Darkness stuff do it heavy for role-playing. And it felt like it was kind of like the role-playing aspect of a tabletop because, you know, it was all about, you know, intrigue and, like, logic puzzles and, you know, who to say what to. And um, it played almost more like a visual novel than, you know, like a conventional game. You know, yeah, yeah, I'll give you that one. I'll, I'll admit, I, I will drop my uh, my embarrassing story about this one. I didn't like the game, but what it did do is make me go back and, like, buy the DVD set of Kindred the Embraced and watch that instead. And I had a pretty good time with that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a viable alternative, yes. It, it was pretty good. Everybody should watch it. Let's see. Okay, well, that's Chris's list. That's her, I, I guess the only one my list is last. So... Uh, we'll skip out. We'll we'll rush through some of the ones we already talked about. Um, I was gonna put this one. I didn't have a mediocre thing, but if I did, this would have been on my mediocre. Uh, I'll start from the bottom. Uh, Dying Light 2: Stay Human uh, is one of the most disappointing sequels I have ever played to a game I really liked. It's um, like going to it's like going to Golden Corral. Like the food is not great, but you paid for it, and there's a lot of it, and it's not terrible food. Well, it's not a bad game by any stretch, but the problem is they erased the aesthetic from the first game and they replaced it with this cartoonish like day glow aesthetic, and it's not scary anymore. Um, the fetch questing is ridiculous. The dialogue trees are dumb. It it removed the tension from the original game. And the original game was flawed. Like you guys mentioned a bunch of games that had flaws and everything. Dying Light's flawed as hell. But it it nails the zombie aesthetic better than any game I've ever seen, even more so than Resident Evil. And uh, this game does not. It's too it's too cartoonish to take seriously. And I like I said, I liked it, I beat it. Um, I'll never play it again. I do not think it has the staying power of the original game. I think that's evident. But you know, it is what it is. It's dying like Tuesday human. Yay. Uh, next on my list, again, Corey, you mentioned this on yours, High on Life, a game I didn't think I'd like as much as I did. And, and I actually thought it was quite funny. I actually I actually like the dialogue. I like the running commentary. Yeah. Um, but I like the Metroid Prime gameplay a lot. 
you know, I, when I when I picked up the Rick and Morty game, I really was not expecting it to be this like unofficial sequel to Metroid Prime. No, it's uh, it makes me want Metroid Prime Four <laughs> if they ever make the damn thing. So we'll see. Maybe we'll get. Well, maybe we'll finally get Metroid Prime Four coming out soon. Maybe maybe we will. Uh, Vampire Survivors is next on my thing. Again, I don't know why I like this game so much. I play it, and then after a half hour, like I'm done. But then yeah, I'll play one more. Like I don't know what it is. There's something about it. Uh, but yeah, we've talked to Ad Nauseum about it. Uh, next on my list is Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, this was almost my favorite game of the year. The only reason it's not is, and I'll tell you why when I get to my first game. But uh, Anton, I know Corey, you played this game. Did you play this? Did you have a chance to visit Tokyo? I did not. No. Um, I don't know why it was. I think this was the first game I played after Elden Ring, and. I got to the point with Elden Ring when I would get so frustrated when I couldn't beat something. And then I played this game and it was so linear and so matter of fact, it was almost like coming up for air. Like I love Elden Ring. It nails the setting in a way a lot of games don't. It's very similar to the Yakuza games. In fact, you're having, you have this version of fictional Japantown or, you know, Japanese, uh, Japanese city. Yeah. And I like visiting it. And I, I like how unapologetically Japanese it is without being nerdish. Like the, your Shin Megami Tensei games and everything where it's just, it sounds mortal. You learn a lot. Like if you, if you want to learn some Japanese culture, play Ghostwire Tokyo. Um, and it's from the guy who made Resident Evil of all things. Uh, Shin, what's his name? Um, Shin, Shin Jimmy. Uh, goodness, Shin I Mikami. Shin Mikami. Yes. And uh, this, I think this was his follow-up to, what was that clone game he made from Resident Evil? That was pretty uh, Evil good. Evil Within. Evil Within. Yeah. Which is basically Re- Resident Evil 4 plus. Um, yeah. Ghostwire Tokyo, fantastic, really fun. Has floating store shop cats. It looks great. I, I really like Ghostwire. I one of my favorite games of the year. I didn't realize you liked it that much, but yeah, I was a huge fan. Oh yeah, I was a huge fan. Um, next on my list, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. We talked about this thing. I will say this. Uh, I will add something to this. Uh, you nailed it when you said Antel the stuff in the background. Like this game has replay value just to look at the backgrounds. Um, but I don't necessarily think I like the gameplay as much as I did the old games. I don't know why that is. That could be my problem. It could be like a mental block on me. I really think it's a difficulty thing. I really think that they should have made you work more for Shredder's Revenge. I would have liked to, you know, fail repeatedly and then finally feel like I conquered the game instead of just feel like I could just, you know, breeze through it. Essentially. That's, well, the developer, they talked about this. They said, we make the games you thought you played. And I get it. I, I really appreciate what they do. But at a certain point, though, you realize you can't have the new game without the old game. And I'll just say this. I like the game a lot. It's one of my favorite games of the year. I really appreciate it. But what was that other game you mentioned, the TMNT collection? from? Yes, the Cowbunga collection. Um, which I didn't like as much, only because there, it, like I would say 60% of that is just filler trash. Like The, the fighting games are not very good. Yes, but, no, terrible. But it is fun going back and playing the old NES stuff, like as limited as primitive as it is. Like you kind of appreciate it a little more. Like um, what do they call the second one? Uh, Teenage Mutant Turtles 2, the arcade game, which is really confusing. But um, yeah, it's there. But uh, but play the play Hyperstone Heist. If you've never played it before, I tell play Hyperstone Heist. I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I definitely want uh, to do that. I'll probably have to find it out on like the actual cart though before I play it on Kalpanga Collection. I'm I'm too much of a purist. Oh, really? Um, you should be able to find it pretty quickly. I mean, a lot of those Konami Genesis games are actually a lot of fun. Like, you play Bloodlines? Yes, yep. Or uh, Rocket Knight Adventure? Um, yes, yep. 
Oh, here's one if you haven't seen it. The Tiny Toons Adventure. I have that. Genesis. Yeah, actually. Oh, yeah, that's yep. that's pretty amazing, actually. Yes, it's um, good, yeah. Uh, next on my list, we've already talked about it, but I'll say a little more about it. Kirby and the Forgotten Land. Uh, Corey, this was like, th- again, this was vying for my favorite game of the year. Because, again, yeah, uh, I'll tell you why. I was playing the boss, and, again, I just I just spent massive amount of time playing Elden Ring. And I went to the boss, and I saw his life, and I saw the lifespan, uh, the life bar. I was like, ah, shit. Da-da-da. Oh, wait a minute. This is Kirby. I'm going to beat this. Like, I'm not going to lose to this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. Oh, I'm playing. I'm having fun. But here's the thing, though. This is one of my favorite Switch games of all time. I It nails Kirby. The soundtrack is exquisite. The soundtrack in this game is the best soundtrack of any game this year. I'll, like, prove me wrong. But um, it's just it's just sweetness, isn't it? They have a little J-pop song at the beginning. Kirby's fun. He turns into a car. He turns into a, a traffic – what is it? A traffic cone. He turns into a, a vending machine. Like, he spits things out. There's no meanness in this thing. This this thing is pure pure joy. Uh, if you haven't played it – like, I, I was watching Digital Foundry talk about it, and they complained about it being 30 frames a second. I had to shut it off. Like, that's not the point. That's not the point. It's Kirby. Kirby's fine. It's also the better Kirby game this year. I think there was another Kirby game last year called Kirby Buffet or Buffet. Sorry, Buffet. Um, Kirby Buffet Race or something like that. Yeah, not not the same. Was so, that like a party game though? It's like a completely different. Yeah, it's the one. Yeah, it's like it's like when they put the um they put all the Kirby games on the Switch uh, online service. You know, I'm talking about the Super Nintendo and everything. Yep. And it's confusing because you don't know what they are sometimes because there's just so many different genres. Um. Next on my list, and this again, this was I talked to you about this before, uh, Corey. Atari 50 anniversary. So I think I actually ended up texting you about this yeah. after I'd played it for a bit. I, I bought it on a whim. I was like, this is an interesting concept. Basically, a uh, more of a documentary film that yes. happens to have games you can play than a game. Yeah, or the, I hate to say it, look, I'm an Atari person through and through. And I don't know how old you are. I know I'm older than Corey, but. I don't. Did you like? If I had to ask you what your first console was, what would you say? Um, it was NES, but I was playing 2600 games later on. Okay. Uh, my cousins along my NES. I didn't actually now, have a 2600, but yeah. Did you now? Did you call them games? Did you call them cartridges, or did you call them tapes? Oh man, um, <laughs> I knew people who call them tapes. We always call them. Uh, we always call them games. I think we called them cartridges at some point too, but yeah, not tapes. I knew some people who called them <laughs> that though. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, for, I'll forgive calling a cartridge a tape, but I will never forgive as somebody who calls a level a board. <laughs> oh no, I, I love that terminology. Oh, there's so, Ooh, there's there's so many doubles. There's Where'd you so get this doubles. guy from, Nate? No, it's um. I'll say this: the Atari 50 is fantastic. Um, it's one of the best things that came out last year, and that's saying something because it's a collection of games where the games themselves aren't very good. It's missing a whole bunch. It's got no Pac-Man, no Donkey Kong, no Frogger. Uh, but what it does, it makes you appreciate the Atari lineage in a way that Atari themselves has not helped. Um, it's fantastic. I don't know. Have I know, Corey, you played it. Anton, have you had a chance to check out Atari 50? No, um, I know of it. But um, I feel like like every 10 years or so they come out with, I guess that makes sense, but they come out with like one of those Atari collection. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I guess I oh, missed yeah. this one. It sounds like it's special. Maybe I should oh. check it out. Well, all the other collections are trash because they focus on the games. This does this. The games are themselves are sort of a, a byproduct. It's the it's like Corey said. It's a documentary style, it's an interactive documentary. There's videos, there's interviews, there's photos, there's box covers. Um, 
And when you get to the actual games, they get progressively worse up until the Jaguar, which makes you realize why the Jaguar was such a stinker. Mm, but yes. <laughs> but there's something about it that's really cool. And I, I it doesn't there's no there's absolutely no replay value whatsoever. But as a first run through, it's essential. And I, Corey, I don't know if you'd agree with me or not, but we saw a ton of these collection games come out this year. This is the best interface I've ever seen on a collection. I would, uh, I would like it very much if more of these collections kind of took this tack with things and mm-hmm. really gave you context around the games, especially because, like you said, these are these are really old Atari games. And I think outside of a certain age group, you're not going to get much out of them. But at the same time, I can say that and still say I think everybody should probably play Atari 50. Just the, the historical aspect of it and the, the amount of love put into it is really amazing. Well, also, it, and to be fair, Anton, I'm a little prejudiced because I had just made a trip to New Hampshire last year where I actually visited, uh, actually a year before, sorry, back in last October, I visited an arcade called Funko Land, which is, has the distinction of being, quote unquote, the world's largest arcade. That's just, it's a space thing. It's not the best arcade by any stretch, but it's got, it's loaded with these things. Um, they filmed the King of Kong there, you know, the, the, the movie. Um, but I was ready for that. I was primed for this. And I think... Uh, I think it's Digital Eclipse. They're the ones who put this together. Um, Atari has done everything they can to destroy their legacy and their name brand. They, I mean, you say Atari, you don't think quality anymore. You think crap. But <clears throat> if you have a chance, Atari 50, it's, it's on. Yeah, true. No, it's true. Like, you go back through this and you realize there's no way in hell Atari was ever going to survive, like, the 80s. It was. It's just not going to happen. But you appreciate what they did. You appreciate the people that did it. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's like I said, once you've seen it, you've seen it, but you've seen it. You know what I mean? Like you, you could say you've seen it. So Atari 50 anniversary, one of my favorite things of 2022. Uh, I'm trying to get to my last game real quick. Um, yeah. Elden Ring. <laughs> so what can I say? <laughs> um, Elden Ring. Elden Ring is awesome. Elden Ring is something special. Um, Corey, I would say Elden Ring is the most uh, important game of this generation since Zelda Breath of the Wild. It definitely represents, like I was talking about with uh, with Vampire Survivors, you know, a game will hit, it'll make a big mm-hmm. splash, and both in the mainstream and the indie sides of things, uh, people are going to make copies and clones and kind of try to get a piece of the pie for themselves, and in doing so, they're going to iterate on the initial fundamentals, mm-hmm. and that's what we see at the Elden Ring. Elden Ring is kind of the next step well, from Breath of the Wild. If you think about it, though, it doesn't really do much that's new. It's basically Dark Souls. But it's Dark Souls expanded, I think, like like Breath of the Wild in open world space. Yeah. And if you think about it, though, if you look at what it does, there's no microtransactions. There's no DLC up to this point. The game came out pretty much baked solid. But no one I'm over here like, I, I hope it has DLC. But you know what I'm saying? Though? Like, it's a complete package. You buy the game yeah. Elden Ring, you have a game. There's not a lot of bugs. It's solid. Everything about it. There's no story to, to unless you want one. It's antithetical to every single thing that everyone's told you a game needs, and yet it somehow succeeds yeah. magnificently. It is it is clearly the best game of 2022. It's clearly one of the best games of this generation. Um, we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing Elden Ring a long time. But the funny thing is, George R. R. Martin, you can't finish your own damn series, but you keep making this stuff. Like finish mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. Just don't do anything else. Just finish Game of Thrones, then work on Elden Ring too, please. Um, anyway, I got two games that are on my stinker list, just two, uh, because I didn't really play a lot this year. Uh, Runner-up was Pac-Man Museum Plus. So for all the reasons I loved Atari 50, I despise this. This is a rancid piece I, of trash. I am shocked to hear that you didn't like this. I thought this was great. 
No, I I disagree. Like I, I'll admit, you, if you're if you're gonna compare it to a Torah 50, yeah, it's, it's not gonna look so good. But in terms of like Pac-Man being, like these are games that you mm. could theoretically see yourself playing for stretches of time. No, unlike I, the stuff I, in I have 50. I have played them, but the interface is horrendous. It's got that 3D like model interface. Uh, it's missing Miss Pac-Man or whatever they're calling it. Did you see they changed the name of Miss Pac-Man? Uh, I guess Namco doesn't have the rights to their own game, so they had to rename it. Yeah. Oh, just, Miss Pac-Man was not actually a Namco game. It was a, a hack. Um, was it a hack? Yes, it was. It was uh, one of the original hacks, and they were, um, yeah, it's a whole thing. You should, yeah, uh, Miss Pac-Man itself, by the way, is the best Pac-Man game. Can we just say that? Yes, um, yep. It is the best game. And um, by the way, going back to Atari 50, they don't really talk about the documentary, but if you ever, they have an interview with the guy who programmed the Pac-Man game on Atari 2600. He didn't want to do it. It sucks. And when Miss Pac-Man came out on the same hardware, it's a billion times better. So sometimes programmers matter, not just the, the hardware. Uh, but anyway, no, I just miss it's just disappointing, especially since they had that other Pac-Man game that came out, Corey. What was the Pac-Land, uh, the remake? Uh, Pac-Man World, uh, repacked it. Uh, and that's a rock solid game. You know, you, yeah. you said Miss Pac-Man was the best Pac-Man game. I would, I might have to fight with you because Pac-Man World is up there. Well, I, as far as the the basic premise, like the you know, oh, like the, in terms of like being a Pac-Man game, yeah, yeah, you're right. No, Pac-Man's fantastic. Like I told you, one of my favorite games of all time is Pac-Man uh, Championship Edition, where basically they fused Pac-Man with LSD. And yeah. by the way, that whole concept has they remade everything and. The best game on that Atari 50 is actually the uh, the reimagining of Yar's Revenge, and it's fantastic. Shockingly good. Yeah, shockingly good. It's great. It's the same exact game. You can even flip through the back and the forth. Um, but no, none of these compared to the worst game of 2022. I you, none of you guys mentioned it, which makes me think you didn't play it because if you did, you would it would scar you. So you know, uh, I did I did play this, and it didn't did? come off to me as terrible. I got aggressively mediocre, but hit me. It's okay. New Joe and Mac. New Joe and Mac. Look, they made a new Joe and Mac game, and you're over here yeah. bad mouthing it. You're they didn't make me. a new one. They basically they they pissed on the original game, the original arcade game, and they said, "How can we make the original arcade game worse? Let's let's take those hand drawn graphics, let's turn them into flash crap, let's make the gameplay even more sluggish, let's remove the checkpoints, and let's let's make our hit collection boxes terrible." And just for just for uh, for giggles, um, I have no problem with uh, emulators, you know, for for purposes. I went back and I replayed the arcade. I went back and I replayed the Genesis version, which is the best version. I went back and played the Super Nintendo version, which is different. You, you mispronounced Super Nintendo there, but no, the Super <laughs> Nintendo version is nothing like the arcade. It's they turn it into like the, some other side scroller. I know that's why it's so good. It's actually no, it's pretty good. I'm I'm saying it as um, a version of the arcade game, the arcade mm-hmm. game. The Genesis is like it's more faithful, but um, but this game sucks. This reminded me um when I was playing it, I was very strongly reminded. Remember how they tried to bring Bubsy back for a while there? Yeah, they tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's a lot yeah. like that. You know, I was gonna mention Bubsy uh, until when you talked about um clones and boomer shooters, like Doom comes out and you get all the clones. That's kind of like when Sonic the Hedgehog and Mario were popular, and then you had all the crappy platformers like Awesome Possum and Bubsy and. <laughs> That garbage that came out, um, but you didn't you didn't hate Joe and Mac. Um, again, I don't say I don't wouldn't say I'd hated it. Aggressively mediocre, like definitely not something I'd ever go back and revisit. But you know, like half a playthrough, most of a playthrough, it was. Eh. I've, I just, I've played worse games. Like I look, I, the number five on my PlayStation list is Babylon's <laughs> Fall. I have I had a year, okay. Well, here's the thing though. I mean, 
my one of my I think my favorite game of last year was uh, the new Ghouls and Ghosts, uh, Ghosts and Goblins. That was um, you got past based, the first level. Yeah, I beat the game. You want to teach me how? Uh, yeah, it's called Persistence. <laughs> Look, yeah. you beat Elden Ring. I did not. I beat Ghosts and, Go- Ghosts and Goblins. You did not. See, like banana, banana. Balance we, in all things. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly. We make it. We make a team. But uh, no, it's just that. You look at these games like I think they got the I think they got uh, the IP for like 25 cents. They said let's have two people make this version, and they missed what makes the original game so much fun. And to be fair, Joe and Mac was never fun. It was always frustrating. It was always it was always like the Dark Souls of its time, that and Ghosts and Goblins. But it's just they just took it and they just they I don't understand like they they missed the fundamentals of why it was so successful. Um, if I can make a comparison, I don't know. Have you guys ever played Cotton, like the shooter's Cotton? Uh, yeah, I played a couple of the remakes recently. Yeah, like how many? There was two that came out last year, right? Yes. Um, Intel, have you ever played Cotton? Like, have you ever seen like the Japanese versions? Like, I know you're talking about retro stuff. Um, no, I'm trying to furiously look it up because I don't like Cotton, like the fabric. Oh, yeah. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> it's the fabric like a cute of up. You play as a little witch girl. But, um, what? Oh, no, I know this. Okay, yeah, yeah I'm sorry. But the wow. Saturn version, yep, I know exactly the, what this is. But the Saturn version was one of the best. In fact, the Saturn version might be the best version of Cotton. And they brought back these, you know, these flashified remakes. And uh, they're pretty good. They're actually not bad. Not my cup of tea, like the style. But that's, you look at Joe and Mac, and on paper, it looks great. And it's just, but for some reason, you play it, and something's not right. Like, something's not correct. And I think I think with a platformer, you need precision. You need like uh, what was that game you were mentioning that had bad sound design? Uh, the Onsen um, uh, Master. On so much depends on good sound design to help bring you into that world. And I think John Mack is is seriously missing that. And um, yeah, it's just probably the worst experience I've had in any game this year. Now, Corey, I know you love it. It's your favorite game of the year. And no, you, I'm I'm just saying. I promise you guys, it's better than Babylon's yeah. Fall. Is it? Well, yeah. it's still alive, whereas Babylon Falls is dead. So I guess that, that's a good point. Babylon Falls soon cannot hurt anybody anymore. Um, but that's my list. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna ask you guys a couple questions, but uh, do you have any other final thoughts on highlights and on gaming moments of 2022 before we head out? Uh, amazing handware, uh, handheld uh, hardware. I mean, the analog yes. pocket, if you can get a hold of one, is fantastic. Um, I should have got the Game Gear adapter because, you know, I already have a bunch of stuff I can play Game Boy games on. I ordered it, and of course, I'm probably back in the line now, so I'm probably going to get that end of this year and the dock. But just as a handheld, um, it's reinvigorated um, all my old uh, Game Boy Advance and Game Boy games. The screen is fantastic. And of course, the Steam Deck. Um, essential it's probably one of the best um it's probably my favorite handheld ever like hands down now Corey, you're a pretty big fan of the steam deck you're all i do like the steam deck quite a bit that's true it's rock solid it's a great emulation machine i think my favorite thing about the steam deck is the fact that it is uh it's standardized hardware so if you want to do emulation on it uh there's literally just a website you go to you push one button it sets everything up for you it's really convenient really easy uh, the Steam Deck itself feels great to play. My only complaint is the D-pad is kind of eh. Um, but, I mean, just use the analog sticks. That's fine. Um, and, yeah, it's solid stuff. The uh, You mentioned a you mentioned a dock for it, but the official dock is not out yet, is it? It is now, yeah. It I is, didn't actually yeah. – I haven't gotten a hold of one yet. But, yeah, it's out. Okay. The um, Yeah, I mean, it, do you remember um, – did you ever have a Game Gear when you were younger? Yes. Anybody? Did yeah. you ever get the? Did you ever get the Master Gear converter 
for it? What was it called? Where you could play Master System games on it? Uh, no, uh, no. They also had that for the power base converter for the power Genesis. Base. Yeah. yeah. I uh I had the ma- I had the Master Gear converter for my Game Gear and trying to play Master System games on that screen was almost impossible, but uh, it was so magical. Like I, I think this is a great time to be a portable gamer. I don't even know if you'd call things like the Steam Deck and the analog portable really because you end up playing them at home. But yes, yep. <laughs> so, or even the Switch. Like I said, I'm a big Switch fan too. It's um, no, it's it's a great time. There's so much versatility. There's so many ways to play what you want, and it's most of it's pretty good. Most of it's pretty good. Uh, Corey, any other big moments of 2022? Um, so I'm looking over, uh, like I said, we do uh, we do replays on platforms these days. And mm-hmm. the game that I spent the most of the most time playing, probably of any game, even with Elden Ring, in fact, uh, Super Robot Wars 30 on Steam. Really? Oh, yeah. No, it's a fantastic game. If you like anime or mechs at all, um, even if you don't like mechs, honestly, this is the kind of game where you sit and you keep your your tablet with you and open the wiki and look things up and it introduces you to shows you might like to watch. Really amazing game. Uh, I could go on about it forever, but this podcast already is super long. Uh, super Robot Wars 30. Take a look at it. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm nice to see that franchise come back, though. I haven't heard, for, haven't oh, heard for sure. of it for a while. Um, I'm trying to th- trying to think gaming moments. Um, I think I I think I already said what I agree with uh, Antel and Corey about, like, you know, the advent of Steam Deck and all the clones, by the way, I, I have not tried any of the clones yet, but uh, Corey, you mentioned a few of them, uh, the PC clones. Uh, what was the one? For Vampire Survivors? Yeah, there's tons of them. No, 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 no. From the um, the Steam Deck clones or the adjacent Steam Deck adjacent clones. Um, they're going to try to make it a thing. What's it called? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, we talked about a few. I forget the name of it. Um, no, I I thought the craziest news story I saw was Yuji Naka got arrested for insider trading. You know what's really sad? Yeah, twice. Yeah, twice. You know what's really sad, though? It's all over that game he made, the Balon Wonderland. Like, that's that's, Balon Wonderworld. Balon Wonderworld is the game that keeps taking away from that for me. (laughs) Like, oh, my goodness. Um, Microsoft tries to buy Activision. We'll see if that goes through. Um, No, I think my favorite moment, though, crazy, apart from the actual games, is I think this is the year that video game movies and TV shows finally became accepted in a way that we never saw before and i think um when does that uh last of us come out is it this week it's on, uh, like sure, what service is that even on hbo hbo but um you know we had we had movies like sonic 2 do well uncharted did well look the halo show was rancid but it was popular for better <laughs> or for worse uh we already mentioned gran turismo every game you can think of is getting a movie like you know they're making a sh- they're making a movie out of comic zones and um, what was that game with Michael Jackson dancing on the speaking of Dreamcast um, Space Channel 5 I'm supposed to be making a show that Streets of Michael Rage. Jo- Michael Jackson. Yeah. Space Channel 5. Space Channel 5. Yeah. They're, everything. God of War is getting a show. Gears of War is getting a movie and a show. Uh, the big one I think we're going to be looking out for is Super Mario Brothers. I think that's going to be the bellwether. If that does well, then I think we're I think comic books are going to give way to games. Um, I think people are kind of done with comic books for the most part not done but you know i think they're exhausted so get ready for video game stuff all over the place yep licensed it's gonna happen you can't stop it so all right uh like you said this has gone on a little longer because we're having a good time uh i think that's it i think we did it i think we covered 2022 any, any it was, final a, thoughts? was a pretty decent year i had a few complaints yeah we had a couple 
Bad ones fall. Well, <laughs> yeah. Less a complaint, more of a yeah, more of something that will torment me forever. But yeah. Yeah, it's a bellwether, something to stamp the year. Uh, but I want to say thank you uh, for everybody listening throughout 2022 to the State of Gaming from Popsari. You helped make this our best year ever. Uh, we're almost popular. If we keep this up, we'll 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 get noticed. So, but I, I'm just kidding. But other than that, uh, the State of Gaming podcast from Popsari has been a ver- it's been very good. I also want to thank uh, our constant senior gaming editor, Mr. Corey Valher. Corey, as always, you did really really good. You passed. No I bad. Do what I can. Does that mean they're going to make me play Babylon's Fall anymore? No, and <laughs> if you want to. Uh, <laughs> and I also want to thank our special guest uh, for coming back once again in the saddle, Mr. Antal Bokar. Antal, you want to give a little blurb about where people can find you and Mickey Rich? Sure. Uh, thirdcoastreview.com and culturecombine.com, new website we're launching nice. um, in the coming months. Also, um, if you want retro game restoration, um, savescumrestore.com, um, kind of a side project I have going on. Um, play Dark Tide. It is amazing. In fact, that's what I'm going to go <laughs> back to as soon as this is over. Someone's in it. Someone's addicted. Someone needs yes. his. He needs his Dark Tide fix. He needs his Fox fix or fix Fox or whatever that. Is. <laughs> oh my God! You know, if you say certain games like fast enough, it sounds like curse words. Um, no ooblets. But no, gentlemen, thank you very much for everything. Uh, we'll make sure we put all the links in there. 2022 is dead and gone, but 2023 awaits, and we will see where we're at next year. And with that, we will see everybody on the next level. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Pop Zara podcast. Remember to like, follow, share, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app or service.